spreading Cajun across the nation, pushing the brand across the land. Welcome to Ragin' Review, made by the fans for the fans. about town is here with me as well and you know we kind of hung in the air a little bit about who our special guest was if you've been on twitter today obviously you know it is the Birdman jay walker jay how you doing today i really appreciate the opportunity to be here you know it's it's i've uh i've, I've been waiting for the invitation and, uh, actually, that's a lie because I've been I've been invited before. You've been invited numerous times. But, yeah, but but this was the right time, so I'm I'm glad to be here. This there was a bonus. This will be fun. Yeah, no, we're we're obviously very excited. Anytime we can get somebody that is as rich in Cajun lore as as the Birdman himself, you know, that's always that's always good for business. Um, but we are actually going to start. Man about town has a uh, has a new segment that we're going to do. So Matt, take it away. All right. Well, everybody knows that uh, obviously Rage Review is, is growing in uh, in popularity and in footprint. We appreciate that, by the way. Uh, please continue. Uh, we always appreciate you guys' participation and listenership. Uh, community's going through a tough time, as is the entire country. But you know, Cajun people are pretty protective of our own, and I thought it would be uh, something that we could do for the community to kind of reach out and find people that have been negatively impacted. Uh, through COVID and maybe some other things uh, with fallout of the virus and, and everything else that's going on. So uh, we started this feature. It's Raging Recruits. Uh, we're basically just going to reach out to you guys. And if you know or if you've been impacted, we want to know if you lost employment, if you've been uh, cut hours, or if you're looking to supplement. Or maybe you're a recent grad and you can't really find anything uh, that, that fits you or you're having trouble being employed. So luckily today we've, we've been... Uh, actually, a couple of people reached out, but we, we decided to select uh, Mr. Ryan Abear. He is the son of Mike Abear. Everybody knows him on Rage and Pageant as Cajun's Mike, and he also posts on Ruger Rooms as uh, Cajun's Rock. So if you haven't been on Ruger Rooms, check them out. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, Mike is 31 years old. He lives in Lafayette. He is a veteran of the United States Navy, a submariner. Separated in 2014, Mike went ahead and used his GI Bill, graduated in three and a half years at UL when he came home. iTech was his uh, field. 2019, uh, the, the winter of 2019 is when he graduated. He helped Mike do some uh, real estate, family real estate improvements uh, over the last few months. And um, unfortunately had some interviews lined up, one in, in particular with a SCADA company, basically a formality interview. He was gonna get the job and uh, stay-at-home order went into effect and it, it was canceled so Mike is still looking for work he's got heavy experience in quality assurance uh, and to be more specific the quality assurance was safety inspection roles uh, on torpedoes so uh, I think he can handle himself he has electronics experience 
from working on DOD computer systems. He is proficient in engineering, obviously, being an iTech grad. Electronics in the Navy, he did plenty of that. Maintenance planning, uh, supervising setting of weekly sub-schedules. He trained and tutored, supervised younger recruits, so you know he can handle the role of management. Let me tell you something. If he's Mike Hebert's kid, he was raised Good right. Good man. He you was know. raised right. You know, he knows Gerald Hebert. Everybody knows him as G around Cajun country. It's one of his references and uh, you know, G's a good man, and if he'll, he'll stick up for a guy like Ryan, I'm sure Ryan has good people. So uh, we really want to help out Ryan. Uh, we know we have a, a pretty heavy listenership in the oil field and, and the local community. Uh, you can contact Ryan by email. Uh, it is ryanabear89 at gmail, or you can call him, 337-739-3836. Three three seven seven three nine three eight three six. If this guy is not employable, then we should all go stand in line to absolutely. get a handout because yeah, that's what I'm saying. this man is absolutely qualified. So somebody out there looking for a good employee, give Ryan a shot. There you go. Absolutely. You know, as we as we transition from this awesome new segment that we're going to be doing every week here on Rage and Review, we we want to kick off the show. Um, with some big news for a former Cajun. Robert Hunt was signed to the Miami Dolphins today for an $8 million deal. I don't remember the exact number. I know it's in the range of $8 million, um, with about $5 million guaranteed and a $3 million signing bonus. Huge numbers for Robert Hunt out of Burtville, Texas. Um, Jay, obviously, as the... Matt, go ahead. You got the, well, you got what the numbers? Well, I was going to say is if you know the background of Robert Hunt, that deal is even more spectacular, and Jay will give us some background. Absolutely. Yeah, if 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 the deal were for $5,000, Robert Hunt would go, holy cow. Um, Robert's, Robert's story is very interesting. Um, he's the youngest of six children. His mother did not even know that she was pregnant for him. Wow. Until she said, okay, I've got this issue. And she went to the hospital and said, well, you're about to have a baby. And uh, Robert grew up in a very, very difficult situation socioeconomically. Um, they lived in, a, uh, they lived in a, a trailer that was not in real good shape. They had to evacuate for Hurricane Rita. And when they came back, the floor in their trailer was gone. They found a house uh, that had a hole in the ceiling, and they lived uh, in a in a bad place with among the rats and roaches. And um, they they left there. They went to Fort Worth, and um, his mother said, "I don't want him to finish growing up here because there's there's a lot of bad stuff going on." So they moved back to Burkeville. Now, Burkeville's a very small town in East Texas. He actually lived in, if you'll, if you'll pardon the expression, a suburb of Burkeville where basically all they had were dirt roads. His football team in high school had 18 players. They won three games his entire career, and two of them were against the same team. Did he play both ways? Um, yeah, I think he, yeah, well, he hit 18 guys on the team. He had to. So somebody sees him 
And they get a, a, a thing where he's invited to go to a Raging Cajun football camp. Well, it was going to cost $30. Problem was, he didn't have $30. So he talked to his dad, who did some extra work, yard work and stuff. He was able to raise $22 and, and gave it to Robert, who found a ride to go to the camp. And he got there and he said, okay, it's $30. He said, all I have is $22. And they said, okay, we'll take that. Unbelievable. So while all these other folks have got, you know, their Nike this and their Reebok that and all their cleats, he's got a T-shirt, a pair of shorts, and tennis shoes. And they start going through drills. And um, Coach Rodriguez, who was the offensive line coach. National champion. Um, says, okay, I like what I'm seeing here. And he goes to Mark Hutzman he says, Coach, you got to come see this kid. So Hud goes and he walk, watches him go and he says, he calls him over and he says, he sits down with him and he says, I'd like for you to come play for the Raging Cajuns. And he says, oh, coach, thank you, but I'll never be able to afford to go to college. He said, no, 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 we're going to put you on scholarship. Robert Hunt didn't even know what a scholarship was. And he said, okay, we're going to pay your school. We're going to pay your books. We're going to pay your room and board. We're going to pay your meals. You'll eat at the cafeteria three times a day. He said, wait a minute, I get to eat three times a day? I've never gotten to eat three times a day. There were too many times he went to bed without dinner because they didn't have anything. So he becomes the first young man in his entire family to graduate college. He becomes a second-round draft pick. And this kid who came from nothing just signed an $8 million contract to play football. Now, if, if, if you don't think sports can change somebody's life. Say it all the time. If, if Robert Hunt didn't have football, where would he be today? You and I don't know. I just know that he wouldn't be making $8 million, okay? What a wonderful story. And, and look, I've interviewed Robert on several occasions. He is, he's a gentle giant. He is a fine young man who rose above what, what he grew up with. And he is going to become a favorite in Miami because the people in Miami are starting to know the story. They already love him. And, and I mean, how, he's how going to become one of the great human interest stories in the history of Raging Cajun Athletics. Agreed. And he's going to be an ambassador like a peanut, yeah. like a John Lucroy. Yeah. He's going to be that caliber of an ambassador for us. Yeah, there, there's no question about that. Um, so and Ray made some money this week, too. Yeah, Raymond Colley also signed his deal with, with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, which, by the way, Again, another kid that the Buccaneers are just going to absolutely love. If you're from here, you're going to love him, right? Well, they're going to love him, and they're going to love the way he plays. because He's going fast. Because they they drafted him to return kicks. Their their kick return game has been terrible for years. Raymond's going to do a great job for him. He's going to stick with the club. He's going to wind up making some money. And Am I wrong on this? Is this pretty soon to be signing a seven-round draft pick? I, I think it's a little early, so I mean, clearly I they've they got a six and a fifth that are unsigned. Uh, you know what? I, I I don't know that. I I just know that 
I'm just happy for that kid. Man. Yeah, really, I'm just really so happy for him. Absolutely. Yeah, you know, uh, the, the running joke between Rage and Review is every time that he, uh, Callie would score a touchdown, I opened the, the touchdown tweet, if you will, the phrase was, Mama, there goes that man. <laughs> because he was, every time he scored, I started the tweet with, Mama, there goes that man. Because no, the Kale the, the, the story is a good one because if Billy Napier doesn't come to UL, I don't know if he's anything but a kick returner. Sure. But he gave him a chance to be a running back, and he wound up being an incredible weapon, especially Not this past him. year. So, and, and I think that helped get the eyes of Tampa Bay on him. So, you know, this is, you know, some some players, when there's a coaching change, check out. They, they, they check out or they don't get better or, or bad things happen. Sure. And then some kids, you have a coaching change and it means all the difference in the world. And and I think that's the case with Raymond Colley. So, you know, Jay and, and Man About Town here with me. Let's um, focus on Jay. That's what we got yeah. here. Let's have some fun with Jay. Um, yeah. yeah, let's focus on Jay. It's all about Jay. But we all are bored. You know, there's there, there's no question that the COVID-19 pandemic has, has hit everybody hard. Um, you know, Jay Walker, no, it's no news to anybody that, that you were let go by Town Square Media at the beginning of the pandemic, which was, you know, a heartbreaker for a lot of Cajun faith, you as well. Um, we we want to start with with asking, you know, whether it be your show Bird's Eye View or Town Square Media, what do you miss the most about that entire environment? The relationships. I, um, you know, and it's not just the guys at 1420. It wasn't, you know, just Kevin, who I've known for 30 years, and Steve, that I've known for the better part of 20, or Scott, that I've known for 15 of course, those are the ones that I miss the most. But it's also the guys on the dog. It's the guys on Hot 107.9. It's it's the salespeople on the other side of the building. It, it was a really good working atmosphere, especially for corporate radio. Corporate radio gets a bad rap, and they honestly, in a lot of cases, deserve it. But not where I was, because you had a you, you had a foundation of people who loved what they did, but they loved each other. And you know, I, I actually uh, a month or so, maybe two months after this happened, I, I saw that uh, Scott Perrin, who is Michael Dot Scott on ninety seven three The Dog, and who became a good friend of mine, I saw it was his birthday, so I drove to the radio station just so I could wish him happy birthday in person. And then I realized it was his birthday. He had the day off. So, <laughs> so, so I, didn't, I didn't even walk into the building. I got back in my car and, my, and I left. And But that's what I miss the most are the relationships with the people who were there, especially Scott. Um, you know, it's crazy. We did a, a radio show together for 15 years. I'm 30 years older than he is. LSP, and and despite that, <laughs> despite the age difference, we had a we had a great camaraderie on the air, off the air. Um, he invited me to his rehearsal dinner the night before he got married, and he and Lizzie just celebrated their eleventh anniversary. Um, What's Scott? Forty? No, he's not that old. Thirty-eight. Uh, thir- I think he's thirty-seven. Okay. And. Um, I probably miss him the most 
because we work so closely together. Right. Um, but but I miss them all. I miss them all. They're 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 great people to work with, and I also miss Terrible Tune Tuesday. <laughs> oh, Terrible Tune Tuesday. Yeah, that's a good one. I, 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 that list, I miss it, I miss it, by ourselves. It was a cult happened. following. It that's you know there were some times where, I mean let's just be honest, I can't sit through Ace of Base. That's just not gonna happen. But uh, you didn't see the sign. Oh, I, I saw the sign one too many times. Actually. I got it. I got it. Jay, does KPL make it through this? And if they do, how do they do? Well, you know, the thing that they're going through right now, which is difficult, is when um, when they made the decisions that they made, it not only affected me, it also affected Cody Juno, it also affected Kevin Foote, it also affected Norman Locke, it also affected um, Ian Ozan, it affected everybody other than Greg Larnard and Scott and Steve. So they've got a um, they've got a little bit of a difficult task ahead of them because if we have high school football, Still you know, you've great. got you've got Greg with, with Acadia and a post game and he works his ass off doing that. Right. And and let me tell you something, I got a lot of mad respect for Greg Larnard because they don't pay him a whole lot and that dude works his butt off. How did Greg hang on? As well, opposed to the others. I, I think that, that Greg, what I just said, Peggy you know, didn't make a lot you, of money. He, he's, not, he, he, he's not the highest paid guy there, but his work ethic is incredible. Okay. And, and if he works 60 hours a week, he doesn't care because he's doing what he absolutely loves. Okay. So I got mad respect for that guy. And um, I love Greg. He's one of my you closest know, I, I think that um, when all of this first came down and and – and I was a victim of all of this. I really think for the next couple of pay periods, there were some other guys there that were pretty concerned as well. But I think they've gotten past that now. Mm -hmm. At least I hope they have. And I hope I hope they survive because you know it's a little one thousand watt AM radio station. But they managed to hang on for 21 years. They got a hell of a unique niche, though. I mean, I've been listening to KPL since I was a teenager, and I always love the fact that at any moment, you know, this is a stupid story, but I'll tell it real quick. I had a girlfriend break up with me when I was 16 years old, right? She was the one. She was it. I know. Hard to believe I had a girlfriend. Sure. Funny. Uh, I've come on the radio, and I heard sports, and it made me feel better. And uh, different... Different dark times in life, you know, you don't want to listen to a sad song or you don't want to turn on a movie or you don't want to just walk around by yourself. I flip it on to Kate Bell. So Kate Bell's got a, a it, it's a, it's a little corner of, of you know, my existence that has always been, I've been able to rely on it when I needed to lighten it up or escape or whatever it was. It's one of the things that I preached to Steve, to Scott, to Greg, to, to everybody. We have to understand that what you do for entertainment is what we do for a living. Sure. And as a result, we kind of take a look at our jobs um, and, and, and the way we approach this a little bit differently. Sure. You know, you, you guys are okay. You know, I've had a crap day at work. Here, let me turn this on, and I'm going to listen to these guys talk about whatever. Right. And... 
I'm going to forget about the crap day I had at work today. Well, in the meantime, we're having a crap day at work. <laughs> um, and or in some cases, hungover. And and yeah, that's happened too. Go. So it's 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 really a different scenario because I have always had to approach this from a different point of view than you guys have. Always. Because it's it's. But it's funny because you're a fan. I am. There's a there's a small section, well, not small, probably a big section actually, bigger than some voices out there. You root for us uh, in a way that, you know, some people would say, well, you know, you, you can't be a homer, but I love that you're a homer. Always have. I um I try to be a homer and at the same time be fair. Um, sometimes I succeed and sometimes I don't. Um, you know I. The one, the one thing I had to learn, and, you know, the next time we play sports, it'll be my 29th season covering the Cajuns on the radio. The one thing that I had to learn is never too high, never too low, and never take it personally. And as a result, you know, look, there have been some, some, some times that have just not been good. And I've just, I, I've had to try to keep things on an even keel as best I can. And, you know, I, I, I've got a, a very good friend. He and I have become so very close. His name is Danny Reed, and he does, he's in his fifth or sixth year doing Georgia Southern. And Danny, when we do basketball, Danny and I sit pretty close to each other. And we're playing in that second round game in, 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 the, in the Sun Belt Tournament this past year. And we're ahead, and Georgia Southern's making a run. And Danny's calling the game, but he's also given this this <laughs> business like, okay, fans, get up, you know. Yeah. And about three years ago, I heard him, you know, call a couple of plays, and he's very good at what he does, okay? I agree. He's good. Here's a guy who's only 30-something years old, yep. and he knows all of the history on Georgia Southern because he studied it. Yep. And I looked at him and I said, dude, you're going to die young. <laughs> and, and if you don't learn to like just, and I, he told me, he said, one of the things that I've always loved and, and I've always kind of looked, looked up to you is, is your call of Brett Bear's kick in the, uh, well, guess Ooh. what? He had the same opportunity in the Camellia Bowl with Tyler Bass oh, yeah. to win the game. Uh-huh. And, and you know, I've listened to that, I'll bet you, 50 times. Absolutely losing it. And, and, well, yeah, and at the same time, there's a certain, when some, there are certain things that happen. And in my opinion, you have to save it for those times, those special times when your joy is to the point where everybody feels it. Yeah. And let me tell you something. His call of Tyler Bass's kick to win the Camellia Bowl was about as good as it gets because he captured everything that was going on with that. Yeah. And and look, it was his first bowl win. Sure. And look, let me let me tell you something. Those milestones, oh, yeah. you know, it's it's 
You know, Danny still hasn't done a game in the NCAA tournament. He still hasn't done a game in an NCAA baseball regional. He's been to the championship game three or four times yeah. and, and, and gotten it jerked out from under him. So when you have these opportunities, you've got to let people know how great it is that you've had these opportunities. Is that the Scully School of, of Broadcasting? Vin Scully, let me tell you something. I, that's why I asked, because I'm still young enough to remember, or I say young, I'm old enough to remember Scully before the last, say, five years, where it was basically just a formality. That we're kind of going through the motions. I mean, he's still the greatest. Don't get me wrong. But I remember Scully as a kid, and he's still calling the hell out of Dodger games, right? And I always thought that his brilliance was not necessarily, well, of course he would nail the story time. Story time was on point. I mean, it was almost like he wrote the script before the game started, and that was brilliant. But I always thought that those those marquee moments, he nailed them, and he, it was effortless. He, yeah, well, but but he never he never lost it. He never okay? lost it. He never lost it. Right. He always was on point. He did a great job painting with, the picture without having to lose it. Well, and and you know, Scully did something that not a lot of broadcasters can do, and I have failed more than once in this. He knew when to shut up. Oh, that's another thing he's great at. All right, you know, if you if you watch the television call of Kirk Gibson's home run, it's there's a long drive to right field and she is gone and then he's quiet for about two and a half minutes i actually watched that call because of you and and it is now do we ever have the opportunity to have fifty thousand people in the stands to where crowd noise can do the talking it's rare well we did it one time no we we did it once or twice we did it once or twice but it his ability to capture the moment every single time. You know, um, MLB Network has been doing um, some, some stuff, and they did a, a two-hour thing on Scully. Yep. They did a one-hour thing on Jack Buck. They're also doing Harry Carey. Yep. And those guys are honestly, they're my heroes. Jack Buck, Vince Scully, Harry Carey, those guys are my heroes. I'll tell you a little story. Well, well before you go... When you're, when you're doing a, bar, a broadcast, have you pulled from them over the years? Oh, sure. H- has to, right? Oh, sure. Yeah. You know, look, where do you think Holy Cow comes from? Holy Cow! Man, I Now, it's that. not only from Harry Carey, but also from Phil Rizzuto. I thought you hated the Cubs. Who has nothing to do with it. That's my law song. Um, here, uh, Phil Rizzuto, mm-hmm. when I was growing up listening to the Yankees up yep. in the Northeast, he did a Holy Cow also. But... We um, we were playing Northern Illinois in football. I don't remember what year it was, but it was in September. And Rockford, well, you landed in um, Rockford. The game was in DeKalb, and Chicago was about an hour away. Well, the Cubs were playing an afternoon game against Pittsburgh. And it was in September. Both teams sucked. It didn't matter. Didn't matter. Tread lightly here, you know. And so we went. We 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 got. We landed in Rockford. We went to the hotel because that's where we were staying. We threw our bags into the hotel. We got in the car and we headed to Chicago. 
and I don't remember everybody that was on the trip. It was Dan McDonald. It was uh, Bruce Brown, Don, me. I don't know. There were five or six of us. And I had I had gotten a hold of some comp tickets for the game. So we're sitting on the third base side. This is at Three Rivers. No, you said you're going. No, this is at Rig- this is at Wrigley oh. Field. So we're we're sitting in the. Um, we're, we're behind third base, but dude, it's September. It's cold. Oh, yeah. And the only people that are enjoying themselves are the people in the right field bleachers that are getting sun. So it's about the sixth inning. And some of these guys start with, oh, you know, come on, let's go. It's cold. It's good. And I said, dude, we are not leaving until Harry sings. No way. So seventh inning stretch, Harry gets on. Oh, one, oh, two, oh, three. He's spilling his scotch all over the people. <laughs> exactly. So so he sings, and, and yeah, there's not a big crowd there. Both teams suck. There's 15,000 people there. And they throw their hands up in the air. So I said, okay, we can leave now. So we're leaving Wrigley Field. And about, oh, I don't know, 100 feet away, there's a limousine. Well, here comes Harry. And he's walking toward the limousine. He's done his singing. He's done for the day. No way. He's finished. <laughs> so. Did Chip finish the game or what happened? No, no. Somebody else finished the game. I don't know if it was Steve Stone, who it was. He but sang his song so, and he's at. So, yeah, no, he, he sang the song. He was done. <laughs> so he's about to get in the limo. And, and we're 30 yards away. But, hey, Harry. And he goes, <laughs> and then you see him disappear. In the and, and, and I said, my God, this is one of the greatest days of my life. It was so awesome. You see, I have a, I have a funny story kind of similar to that. And Jay, you'll appreciate it because it took place at Dodger Stadium. Um, Wait, if it took place at Dodger Stadium, I need to like genuflect. <laughs> well, I mean. Do, do what you will. But, you know, we're, we're walking to our seats, and my, my dad had made sure that we had good seats for this once-in-a-lifetime experience of watching a game at Dodger Stadium. We're sitting right behind the first base dugout. And to get to the seats, you had to walk through, like, the hallway of the suites. And we walked past these old guys in, you know, rainbow-colored clothing and all kinds of stuff. They're going into a suite. We get to our seats, National Anthem comes on. Singing the National Anthem is REO Speedwagon. Oh, oh, nice. Sure as shit, it's the same guys we ran into in the hallway. Were, were there velour suits? Uh, I don't know velour suits. Pro- I mean, probably. That's how I imagined it. And yeah. I, I, I looked at my dad and I said, Dad, did we casually just meet REO Speedwagon? He was like, yeah, kind of. Yes, son. For the rest yeah. of your life, you tell the story just yeah, like we, that. Yeah, we did. <laughs> and I was like, all right. That's great. Oh, I mean, we, we were um, in 2003, the Cajun softball team, this is before Super Regionals, okay? They got sent out to Fullerton, California mm-hmm. for a regional. And Steve, who, of course, was the, the voice of softball, had gotten in a car wreck and he broke his leg and he couldn't fly. 
So he's going to stay in town to do baseball, and I got to go out. And, and I, I don't think I've done maybe two softball games all year long. And I got to go out to Fullerton to do this tournament. And that's back when Brooke Mitchell was pitching for the Cajuns, and I still think she might be the, the, the best they've ever had. And I would agree with that. So, so I, I get, I land at John Wayne Airport, and I've looked. And the Dodgers are playing the Braves at Dodger Stadium. And I don't have anything to do. This was 03 where you got Glavin, Smoltzy, uh Avery, I think, was on 03. Yeah, but let me tell you who pitched that night. It was a guy named Maddox. Oh, yeah, yeah. That okay. Guy. So, Co- Co- so I, I go and I throw my, throw my bags in the hotel and I drive into Los Angeles. And I drive out to Dodger Stadium. And, and first of all, I feel like I need to, like, kneel, okay, because it's a shrine. Right. And, but I get, like, a ticket from a dude in the, uh, in the second deck for, like, $10. But it's, like, right behind home plate in the second deck. Oh, great scene. So, so I give him the $10, and it's the Dodgers and Braves, and Greg Maddox is pitching for the Braves, and Kevin Brown is pitching oh. for the Dodgers. Oh, Madlock hits a three-run homer. The Dodgers win it five to two, and the game took. Are you ready for this? Two hours and six minutes, because nobody was going to a three-ball count. Okay, you won two every bat. It's it's like you were swinging early in the count. You were hitting ground balls. You were out. Nobody was striking anybody out. Before the juice, and when Kevin Brown was on, he was sick. Oh no, he was sick. He didn't get enough. They were, the they, were, they were really – oh so I went to Dodger Stadium, and I saw the Dodgers win against Greg Maddox. I ate a Dodger dog. I got a Dodgers T-shirt. You did it. I felt like I was somebody. Yeah, you did that. And, and then the Cajun women won that regional and went to the College World Series. Can you ask for a better trip? No, it was, it was about so, as good as it got. So, Jay, that leads perfectly into my next question. In your 29-year career covering Cajun athletics, what is your favorite moment? Most euphoric. You can pick one. No, I can't pick one, and it's an easy one to pick. Okay, let me think about it. Let's think about it. What do you think it is, Matt? I think it's the 2011 New Orleans Bowl. Uh, No, that's second. Oh, I know what it is. That's second. Beating Clemson. No, that's third. Holy shit. Okay, so what's number one? Bears kick is second. Clemson is to the double squeeze. Yep. I um. No. Beat A and M. No, that's fourth. Oh my <laughs> God, Jay Walker! What are we doing? <sighs> Has to be occasion golf. Reference. It was. It was game three of the 2000 Super Regional in Columbia, South Carolina. Mm. You have to understand. Well, that's dumb. I should have known that. You have to understand. That was the best baseball team in the planet. They were 50 and 6 in the regular season. I still have the newspaper hanging then in my room at my grandmother's house. They went, I think, 2 and 2 in the Southeastern Conference tournament. They made them 52 and 8. Right. Then they swept through the regional, 55 and 8. Jesus Christ. Go and it's and, and it's only the second year that we've had super regionals. Right. And so we go over there and um God, and, and, on Saturday, and and not only, and not only 
are we an underdog, but we weren't even the number one seed in our own regional, which we hosted. East Carolina was the one seed. We won that regional. What was the caveat to that? It had East Carolina play in their stadium. They were they were refurbishing their stadium, so they, they couldn't host. So we get to host. But we, yeah, we, we, beat, we beat East Carolina, and, and, and we go undefeated. East Carolina was good that year. People don't talk enough about that. No, they were very good. They could hit the ball. And um, so now we're going to Columbia. And they have, they've already sold three charter jets to of Omaha, fans baby. to go to Omaha. <laughs> oh, that's, they've, already, they've already sold that. Oh, we, we gave them the classic, got to get a refund. So oh, we gave him the bird. Two in, so in game one, Kip Balknight was the dude's name from South Carolina, and he was one of the, the, the their pitchers were called the Killer Bees, and Balknight was the best. He was like sixteen and one, and and he wasn't a power guy. He just he was like Maddox. He knew how to get you out. Their numbers were gaudy. Every single oh, oh no, it, it was stupid. Their relievers had like point nine. No, 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 it was bad. It was bad. You know, we... we, we this is we the were, Southeastern Conference. We were there for the parting gifts, okay? We were there for the parting gifts. And the first night, Justin Gabriel goes out against Bach Knight, and the game is nothing-nothing after six. And the game is nothing-nothing after six and a half. The only problem was Bach Knight was pitching a perfect game. They hit a grand slam off Gabriel in the bottom of the seventh. They wound up winning six to three. So you're going to play the next day, hopefully to stay alive. Now, Scott Doman had been the ace of the staff all year long. And the morning of the game, and it was an afternoon game, the morning of the game, the coaches met Tony, Wade, Jason Gonzalez, Bab, and Colleen. Because Tony Tony had Colleen involved in a lot of stuff. Well, he probably didn't want Doman to holler at him in front of his wife. Maybe that was the point. So they have a conversation, and they say, okay, what are we going to do? And Tony says, I think we need to pitch Andy Grove, who's a freshman. Oh, Jesus. Andy Grove had a don't, se- don't don't shoot yourself. Andy Grove had a seventy nine mile an hour fastball. Something it, it did something. And, and a fifty two mile an hour changeup. Change was set on the way to home plate. Autographed Andy Grove and then hit the catcher's mitt. It was a knuckleball changeup. So they they all agree. Andy Grove's got a pitch because it's the best of three, and if they're going to win the damn thing. Scott Doman's got to be on the mound on on, on Sunday. That's right. So they call Andy and Scott Doman into Robe's room, and he says, Scott, this might hurt your draft status. Um, And I'm going to apologize to you ahead of time if you don't get to pitch in this series. But I can't coach this team to get close because they had gotten close the year before. I have to coach this team to get to Omaha, and if we're going to get to Omaha, you got to be the, on the mound on Sunday. And he turns to the freshman and says, and you're the one who's going to get us there. Scott stands up. He said, Coach, you're absolutely right. He goes over. He hugs Andy, and he said, you got this. Oh, so 
So, so the game starts, one o'clock game on a Saturday afternoon. Grove gives up a single, a single, and a double to the first three guys. It's one to nothing. They're at second and third, nobody out. Rogue goes to the mound. Trots out. No, no, he walked slowly, and he, t- and he told Grove, he said, you're choking your changeup. Quit choking your changeup. Throw it the way you know how to throw it, and we'll get out of this. Minimize the damage, which was Tony's no thing doubt. at the time. No Turns around and goes back to the dugout. He gets a pop-up, a strikeout, and a ground ball. We get out of the inning, and he gives up one hit the rest of the way, and the Cajuns win 7-1. Win 8 or 7? Seven to one. Uh, he, no, he pitched a complete game. He finished the game. Oh yeah, it's hazy. I was a child. I was so crazy. after I the have game. No memories. So after the game, we go back to the hotel, and I um, I'm, I'm watching television, and they do a live shot from the stadium, and you know the, the dude is standing there and he says. Well, you know, today the Raging Cajuns are seven to one, but and they'll have their their ace going tomorrow, and he names him. But he didn't say Scott, and he didn't say Doman. He got both names wrong. And so they go back to the guy in the studio. Some of the local pipsqueak reporter. Yeah, yeah. So the team arrives. And the guys start walking in because they've gone and eaten somewhere, taking a shot or whatever. And I see Scott and I call him over. I said, Scott, dude on TV just talked about you're pitching tomorrow, but he got your first name and your last name wrong. So after you beat them tomorrow, I want you to find this guy and go up to him and say, what's my name, bitch? <laughs> so the next day, Doman goes out, and he pitches. Dominated. He pitches to Jim. He pitches big time against a great team. Now he was never on the road. They hit. Place. They hit a two-run homer off him early in the in the in the sixth or the seventh. Was it? Was it? Oh, I thought it was. And, it, and it's, they're down two to one. Yeah. And and the Cajuns are the home team. And in the bottom of the inning, um, Rick Heidel hits a two-run double. The Cajuns go up three to two. They bring in O'Brien to finish it. And in the bottom of the ninth inning, the first guy gets a double. He's a number six hitter. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, and, and Kyle Siebold was doing the games with me. And of course, he's the offensive coordinator, the defensive coordinator, Katie and High. I know Kyle. And, um, and we were both thinking the same thing. How come nothing good ever happens to the little guy? <laughs> you know, because they get a leadoff double in the ninth, and we know that we're about to get it stuck right We've up our ass. Okay? Yeah. And, and, but the next guy's going to bunt him to third, and he fouls off a two-strike pitch. The next guy's a pinch hitter, and O'Brien strikes him out. And the next guy, the number nine guy, pinch hitter. And it's like, you better get him, because this guy who's up the leadoff guy, we haven't gotten him out the whole That's series. That's like 460 for the series? Yeah. And he hits a ground ball to Scott Atwood at first base, and I'm thinking in my mind, okay, he's still got to do the underhand toss. we still got a chance to screw this up. And then he holds up his hand like, I got this. Is that not Cajun disaster syndrome? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely it is. Oh, my God. This is how how So so we win the game, and the celebration begins, and 
we're doing the longest pregame show in the history of college baseball because Rope's got to go to the, you know, and, and we ain't leaving until we talk to Rope. Yeah. So, uh, postgame show. Yeah. So, the, the 20, 30 minutes later, you know, we've interviewed Feehan, we've interviewed Gordon O'Brien, we've interviewed each other. We, <laughs> you know, we've talked about, you know, our, Nelson's cussing on our shoes and, and, <laughs> And we get the word that Robe is coming up, so we take a commercial break. And Robe walks in and he said, "All right, is that what you wanted?" And he just we just bear hugged each other. That's all. And um, so we get back on the air, we finish it. So Wright Waters was the commissioner at the Sun Belt at the time. Kevin Doramus, who had actually been an assistant SID at UL, but was now working for the Sun Belt, was the guy who was representing the league. And Wright Waters called him and he said, everybody that's from the media that's covering the Cajuns, take them out for a steak dinner. So we, we went, we had a steak dinner, and we're getting ready to leave. Well, the bus pulls up. And I haven't had a chance, with exception of a couple of people, to congratulate him. So I walk over, and I'm shaking hands with every one of these guys as they get off the bus. The last one to get off the bus is Doman, and he hugs me and he whispers, what's my name, bitch? <laughs> so, let's I fucking love it. Let's fast forward it. to 2014. It's the 14th anniversary of Doman's thing. And I ask him to come on the show. Well, he comes he comes over to the show. And he gives me one of his major league baseball gloves that's got his name like engraved on it. Yeah. But on the fingers he's written W M N B. I love that. You know, you know, that story that's is so why, great. That's why that's why that game it is, at the heart. is my favorite. But it's at the heart of that team. Oh yeah. They took it personal. What's my name, bitch? That's the kind of stuff I like. But that's that was Rome's best teams, right? That 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 fierceness, that, that spirit. You know, in 2014, you realize in 2000, that team did not have a single left-handed hitter? I didn't until you just said it. I mean, as a matter of fact, my favorite trivia question of all time is, who is the only person on the 2000 Cajun baseball team that had a home run left-handed? And the answer is Danny Maziani. Oh, well, shit, I got to get Because at the beginning of the season, he said, Coach, I'm going to switch hit. So they're about four or five games into the season. They were at Southeastern. He had some home run left-handed. That's how much respect we have for Southeastern, just saying. And, 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 and afterwards he said, you know, Tony talked to him. He said, look, you're going to help the team more if you just hit right-handed. So he hit right-handed the rest of the year. He's the only player on that team that had a home run left-handed. This is a true story. I was playing all-star baseball and making a run. I was 13, 13 or 14. Either way. There are two reasons why I love baseball the way I do. Ken Griffey Jr., because he made the sport cool to me, and Danny Maziotti, because he took my team to national prominence. And I was playing center field on that team, on that little all-star team and on my travel team. And I, I went up to the coach after that. As, as soon as we won the regional, the East Carolina regional, I went up to uh, Coach Brown, and I said, I want to play catcher. I played catcher for the rest of my career, quote-unquote career. It wasn't very good, but. Danny Maziotti is why I continued to play baseball the way I did. And I will never forget that team. I will never – the spirit, the way they made you feel, how proud they were 
2014 did the same thing for me. It was fun to go to the ballpark. It was fun to be associated with that group. It was fun yeah, to wear Asian across, across your chest again. Not to say the teams before that didn't, because it was always fun, but it was a special kind of feeling. And uh, I can't imagine covering it. I, I just can't imagine like being there before and after, getting to talk to these guys, calling every play. and That's got to be such a unique experience. And I love talking about it still to this day. It, it, it is. That's why, though, that that's number one. I just took 15 minutes to explain why that was number one, and not and not the rest of them. But but that's but that's it. It's solid. We, it's we, solid. We got all night, man. It's solid. We got all freaking night. Let me let me ask you this. I, this occurred to me. Uh, you said why? You know, you had Cajun disaster syndrome. <laughs> of course you did. We all do all the time. Uh, did you think HUD was going to beat Florida when we were up 20 to six? Yeah. I did. I did. You know, I had I had so I thought we were gonna win it up until the block punt. I actually said don't allow the block punt. And then so you you did it. You're the reason that we lost. Well I I thought it too. I never verbalized it, but I'm just saying Cajun fan for any amount of time. All all you've gotta do, all you gotta do is get the punt off and you still got a shot. You can still win the game. And it was like, dude, really? You know. Um you know how ESPN does that stupid percentage chance to win thing now? Yeah. We had to be in like the 90th percentile. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> did you did you think going into the this this is a question from this football this past football season. Going into the fourth quarter down what were we down? A touchdown to Mississippi State going into the fourth? I think we we're down 14 going into the fourth. Okay, 14. Did, did you think we had a shot to win the game? I thought we had a shot, but did I think we were going to win it? No. I, I, I didn't think so. I thought Tommy um, Stevens was terrible, and I thought that if Trey Regis wouldn't have dropped that football, we could have won again. Well, maybe so. I'm, Look, you know, I, I, I will say this, though. We won 11 games last year. Mm-hmm. All right, let's, let's let God that, was so much fun. Let's let that sink nice. in for a minute. We won 11 games last year. In Lafayette, Louisiana. And... I remember the night or the day before the conference championship game. The game was on a Saturday, but we flew in on a Thursday because there was like, you know, yeah. press conferences and, and stuff and, like that. And also getting to Boone is incredibly tricky. No, no, but, no it's but. not that bad. But it, it um, but the reason was they, they had press conferences and stuff on Friday. So we flew in on Thursday, and we stayed in Kingsport, Tennessee, which was not far from the airport that we flew into. And so the next morning, it's Friday morning, and I'm getting ready to go meet a friend at the airport who was flying in for the game. And so I'm standing outside, and I run into Billy at Starbucks. And he bought my coffee, so I go outside, and then he comes outside. And... I said, Coach, I said, I want you to know how entertaining it's been the last week or 10 days trying to figure out where you're going to be coaching next year because, you know, Mississippi State, all this, whatever. And I will never forget the conversation we had. And he said, you know, and I won't get into all of it because some of it I, I just feel would be better that we kept it private, but He said, Jay, 
I think we're going to be a lot better next year. Yep. And, yep. and he said that, and I said, okay. And then who was the dude from Mississippi State that started tweeting that Billy Napier's our new head coach? Oh, Alex, oh, Alex, Alex Lopez. Alex Lopez, okay. I have a confession on that whole thing. And so, you know, I was trying to be nice and tell him, because if there was one thing I learned that morning, it's that Billy Napier was not interested in Mississippi State. And then when he said, we're going to be a lot better next year, talking about this year, I'm going, holy crap. We just won, we just, we just, we just won 10 games. At the time, it was 10 games. So we just won 10 games. And we're going to be better? Are you kidding me? The Mississippi State uproar uh, may have, in part, been fueled by uh, yours truly here. Uh, oh, and b- before you go any further, I do I do want to correct his name. It's Alex Gomez. Gomez, okay. not Lopez. I may have created an online persona that distracted some folks. Um, I'm not well, I mean, sorry. Is, isn't that what the man about town persona kind of does? It's what I do, and it was a whole lot of fun. I don't really want to get into it because we have a whole lot. Yeah, we, we have, have a lot to talk about. Today. But we might do a we might do a segment one time uh, about the whole Mississippi State coaching search. That was a whole lot of fun, actually. So, but that, that's a great segue, Jay. Billy told you what he told you. Uh, this is how we play football this year. What can we do? What's our ceiling? Well. First of all, we have to play football. This Gotta year. play football, but you know, and hypothetically, in a world where you know Missouri decides to keep us on the schedule, and well, you know, okay, uh, let's be realistic here. Okay, the reality is, the Southeastern Conference, at best, is going to play its eight non is eight conference games, and the one conference game against P five oppositions. We're not going to Missouri. You don't think so? No. I really don't. Are you breaking news or are you telling me you don't no, think so? No, no, that's just my opinion. Okay. I, I, I don't have any inside scoop. Okay. Well, Ted, well, well, I'll get to that in a minute. Okay. The one thing, and, and I was on Jonesboro Radio last week up in Arkansas, and somebody said, and, and Brad Bobo is the guy whose show I was on, and he asked me, he said, are we going to play football this year? And I said, I don't think so. I really don't. You know, COVID cases keep spiking. And you not only have to worry about what's going on in your area, but you also have to worry about what's going on in nine other markets. Or at least league-wide, you know. Well, that's what I mean, yeah. in other markets. And so my response was, I don't know. And he said, okay, let's, let's say we do play at least a conference schedule. What's going to happen? And I said, we're going to win the league. And I was very matter-of-fact about it. He said, really? And I said, you know, I said, I, I, I look at this team that's coming back. I look at the recruiting they've done. I looked at the holes that they've filled. And I remember what Billy Napier told me at the end of last year. If we're going to be a lot better than we were this past year, we're going to win the league. It's that simple. We're going to win the league. We're going to win in Boone October 7th. It's hard to even have a conversation about it. And then and then we're going to win in Lafayette. So you, you, you got a nominated best kicker. You got two 
Two running backs. Yeah, two on running backs Walker. on the Dope Walker list. Has a G5 ever had that? Has a G5 school ever had two Dope Walker award watch lists? Here's, just, we here's, have to look here, that up. Here's, what, so. here's what you got. You got Levi. Here's what you got. Uh, I mean, 3,000 yards, 26 touchdowns, four interceptions, and he's going to be better. 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 He's had an offseason to build on that. And, you know, I, I sit back now, and you guys remember, before the season started, the biggest question was Levi. Sure. And all of the Raging Pageant guys were, he can't do this, and he can't do this, and he can't do this, and he can't do this. And by the third game, uh, 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 Ave, Ave Megale is going to be the, the, the starting quarterback, and... If not him, it's going to be this guy who was the fifth string guy who's transferred out, and it's going to be everybody except Levi. And guess yeah. what? And ball. Guess what? Shut up. Shut up. I agree. Hey, we we have talked about, and I think it was last week's episode where we said there's an open invitation to Levi to come on here and let us hug him and apologize because the downing. Uh, even though I think that there was some warranted doubting at the time. No, there wasn't any warranted doubting at the well, time. Doubting at, no, no, there wasn't. Because look, and okay, I get a little bit more maybe inside stuff. Sure, for sure. But I talked to HUD when Levi was a freshman. Right. And he said over and, and over again. Now, HUD was always good about publicly saying, well, this, well, sure, this, sure. well, this. But then there was the private hub right. that I was fortunate enough to be able to talk to. And he said, look, he said, Levi Lewis is special. He said, nobody, nobody understands this. Mm-hmm. Well, then Billy comes in. Nunez wins the job. and um, But Levi's getting to play a little bit. And again, there's a difference between the public coach speak, and then what you have private. I talked to Billy, and he said, Jay, this kid's good. And so I really didn't have a lot of questions about him going in. Now, I didn't think he needed to be great because you had a great running attack. Offensive okay? Running and, attack. And we talked about manage the game, manage the game. Sure. Well, he did a hell of a lot more than manage the game. Well, he, you saw him mature. You saw him mature. He became a huge... but. As a player, but, not as a person, I'm talking about a read, a throw, a, a big moment. A, just because, because let me tell you something. Levi, something Levi has never been, he's never questioned his own ability. That he, is special all in itself. He knew he, knew he was good. Yeah. And so the guy throws for 3,000 yards, 26 touchdowns, four interceptions. A record completion percentage, I believe. Yeah, right? 64%, 64% of his passes. You know, the only question that I have about the Cajun offense is who's going to catch the football. Now, LeBlanc is back. Sure. Jamal Bell is back. Sure. Uh, you know, that Neil Prejean is back. But where's the depth? Okay, that's my... That's my that's when you me. say depth, you probably mean more of experience and talent. Right. Yeah. And, and so I'm sitting here saying, okay... Um, that's the only question I got. I got no questions about the offensive line. I got no questions about the running backs. I got no questions about Levi. Sure. My only question is the depth at wide receiver. Sure. And defensively, 
We made great strides last year. We're going to be better this year. If I'm glad you said that. If if we have a football season, and I'm still not optimistic. Let me tell you. Let me tell you something that gave me. Well, let's do that a next. Little, a let's, let's pretend like we're playing. We're just going to do the football thing, and then we'll go on to if we play. Is what, that fair? What, okay. Because I have a question about defense. I'm glad you said it. I don't think people understand how important the Ron Roberts hire was. Yeah. I mean, you know what it is, Matt. You sure. know. I'm talking about the public at large. I, I, I was relentlessly uh, pro-Ron Roberts because I knew what he brought. The man, of not, I mean, beyond his experience and beyond his expertise. He was a leader. People trusted him. Billy trusted him. I mean, he left a, a respectable program to come and be a defensive coordinator. I mean, he also got his salary doubled. And he got a salary doubled. I mean, it helps. The money always helps, but we're replacing that guy. Yeah. And it's a major replacement. I don't think it's just some sort of a tertiary uh, addition or fill. I, I, I think it's important, and I think that it's something that's yet to be seen. You know, everybody does the Phil Steele thing, and I have a synopsis from Phil Steele, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But I want to hear what you have to say about replacing Ron Roberts because – I'm a little nervous about the Ron Roberts thing. Well, I, I don't think you take a major step back because... The talent's obviously be, there. Well, not only that, but you didn't go out and get somebody who's going to come in and change all the schemes. Sure. Okay, you did it from within. Sure. And I got to tell you something. Patrick Tony's a rock star now. The players love him, and that's from Matt Barnes, so I the, know it's the, right. The players love him. Billy loves him. He's, a, he's an incredibly sharp guy, and... He just finished learning from a guy who's very, very good. So am I going to say that early in the season we're not going to miss beat? I don't think that would be fair. But I think that um, overall we're going to be fine because you've got a young dude who really relates to the players who learned from a really good guy and somebody that the players really look up to. They do. So, so I think you're going to be fine there. I would have a lot more pause if Billy had gone out and hired some other guy who was going to come in and change stuff. I agree with that. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's clearly a, a fair assessment. You know, my dad and I were actually having a similar conversation a couple weeks ago. He said the only thing I'm nervous about coming into the year is, is the defense because you have to replace – Ron Roberts and I said, you know, honestly, I'm not that worried. Tony was here under Roberts. I doubt that he's going to change a whole heck of a lot. I also think that he's going to have more talent next year than Ron had this past year. No doubt, and Joe Dillon's going to be healthy. Oh, jeez, a healthy Joe Dillon, and he's a hellion. I'm telling you, yeah, he wasn't fully healthy last year, and he got what? He, he finished with five sacks. I don't know if he's been healthy his entire career. You know, it's you know, his you know, freshman year. He, he balled out, but at the end of the year, he got the injury. And then, right. You know, going into this year, Dylan's got a chance to be the all-time sack leader. It's unbelievable. Eli's got a chance to be the all-time rushing leader, and and I never thought anybody would, would break Tyrell's record um, or come close to McGuire's second place. Right. I no. I I, I think this team is going to be really good if we get to play, and. I was heartened today with the Southland Conference saying we're going to play our season. Been a few good morsels. So, I, so I think that we got a shot to play on September fifth. Um, 
I do think that the Southeastern Conference, I, I don't think we're going to play Missouri. I, I don't. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to so, pretend like I never heard that because I don't want to believe it yet. So that leads us to the question, what happens on that weekend? What happens on that weekend? Well, here's what could happen on that weekend. You've got the Cajuns going to Missouri. That same weekend, Georgia Southern is going to an SEC school. ULM is going to an SEC school. New Mexico State is going to an SEC school. Louisiana Tech is going to an SEC school. So there's a good chance that we would be looking for a game Oh. The same weekend that Louisiana Tech is looking for a game. McClellan's chicken shit, in my opinion, but hey. No, he is. No, he absolutely is. But what, what are the chances? Uh, not great. If you say 30, I'm happy with that. I don't, I don't even think it's 30. I think the first thing that they if, – if, if the SEC whacks the non-conference stuff, I think they try to get New Mexico State to come to Ruston – and I think New Mexico State, as an independent who wants to get every game they can, sure. says, yes, a boss. So, so, so New Mexico State, within the state of New Mexico, cannot play a football game, but they can travel out? Is that the deal? Well, I, you know, I, I don't know what the deal is with New Mexico. I, I just know that I just know that they're going to be looking for a game. Sure. And That's the only, if you're talking about, do you have a chance to play Louisiana Tech, that's the only shot, is that weekend. That, week. that weekend. Okay, well, I think our fan base would take a Tech game if we had to supplant with, uh, with Missouri. I mean, yeah. even if I have to go to Ruston, I'm going to raise hell. Well, and you know, the Cajuns are scheduled to play on the road that week. And so you look at Tech and you say, hey, guys. It's a chance for a seventh home game. We'll go to your place. We're already headed you to the you, you come to our place sure. later. We'll, we'll, we'll travel. It's okay. And, you know, I think, though, that Tommy McClellan kind of backed himself into a corner yes, sir. with that chicken shit. Message Can I say that? Out. Absolutely. With that chicken shit comment that he made. I'm currently berating him on Twitter every day. It's scandalous. It's scandalous. And, and it's, I'm gonna tag him on this I, 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 podcast. A couple weeks ago, when we had Dr. Maggard, I, I tried to get Dr. Maggard to. No, and he was going to say something. He, he was Brian's too smart for us. He 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 wouldn't do it. No, I you know I look at that at, at what he said, and I get it. Look, they've been doing it for years. They got Terry Bradshaw to come in and talk about it years ago. And, Separation shit is. But the, the is reality the reality of the situation is this. First of all, he was talking about conference realignment. Conference realignment's not happening. I got to I got to cross out one of my uh, topics to talk about. It's it's a it is a the the thing that we're talking about here are regional conferences, whether it's the American or Conference USA, coming up with some schedule, right? Well, not, I don't know about pod. It, it, coming up with putting your ego aside and saying, hey, guess what? With, with this country the way it is today and with the, the, the questions that you have today with, with COVID and infections and everything else, 
and you also have an issue with expenses and money, you've got you've to go with regional scheduling. Now, you know, football schedules are made a long time in advance, so I don't know how much adjusting gets done there. But if you can't, if you can't survive this pandemic, who really gives a shit about 2020 or yeah. 2022? Sure. You know, we're not going to get there. Well, so, yeah. so I talk a lot on this podcast about sports hate and sports rivalry. And sometimes when the world expands, it's not necessarily good for what's at the heart of what makes something uh, worth following or, or putting your heart into, right? I want to play Southern Miss. Why don't we play UH? Why don't we play La Tech? Why don't we play these bastards? Well, and, and the answer has always been ego. Sure. Now, we but play, when they're forced into a corner, like you just said. Now, we play Louisiana Tech in basketball. We've been playing them for about the last six years. Southern Miss is coming on the basketball schedule this year as part of the home and home. This is going to be great for both. Let's do sure. it in baseball. We, we play in baseball all the time, but let's do it in football. Let's do it. Who's not going to show up to that game? Yeah, I mean, who's not going to show up to that game in well, Hillsburg? Yeah, yeah, but it's all a question of people putting egos in their pockets sure. and saying, you know what? This is good. This sure. is good for everybody. Well, it's, it might be a survival mechanism at this point. Well, it might be. It might be. I, I just know that for, for sports, and, and I'm not just talking about the sports that we're most interested in. I'm talking about sports Everything. across the board at UL. Sure. You need to schedule the best teams that you can find within a geographic footprint for Conference USA, the American, and the Southland. And I include the Southland not because of football, but... Basketball and baseball. Basketball, baseball, look, there, there's some good teams there. No doubt. Well, basketball just made a run a couple years ago to the Sweet 16, if I remember right. And, and with the basketball scheduling with the, um, with the MTE, the Cajuns almost had a game this year with, with Stephen F., well, Stephen F would be a great, a great team to have on the schedule. They agreed to the MTE or to well, they were talking. There, it's not going to be an MTE anymore. But had there been one, yeah, you know, SFA would have been part of it. And is there any truth to the rumor that SFA doesn't want to play? No, that's just no. That's message board bullshit. Mm-hmm. Always so, wondered that because they've had a solid program for twenty years. So obviously you you disagree with the idea of commentary alignment. Well, I don't disagree with it. I'm just telling you it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen outside of complete and total necessity, right? And I can still okay. I maybe realignment is a bad way to say it. Uh, scheduling alignment or, or scheduling a scheduling alignment. a scheduling agreement agreement could happen. Okay, conference realignment is not, not going to happen. Not now. Not because of this. There's a big difference between the two. Sure. You see, when when Dr. Maggard made his comments, he was talking about coming up with some sort of consortium for scheduling. When Tommy McClellan made his comments... He was just being a jackass. Well, yes, he was, but he was approaching it from from a conference realignment standpoint. Right. And those those are two different animals. Right. You know, Dr. Maggard may not have wanted to go there when you guys talked to him. I'll go there. With Dr. Maggard, it's hey, let's get together and come up with some thing for scheduling, and tell me, well, well, you want to apply for to, to jump up to our league? Well, well, that's that's fine. You can do that. 
But that's not what Dr. Mangum was ever talking about. I know that. Uh, McClellan's just, uh, he's just bloviating. And they're on the Louisiana teat, and they won't get off of it. And, and you know, Savoy's been under attack a little bit here and there. And I've, I'm on record for saying that he's going to save Louisiana athletics, and I still believe that. And people don't understand the smart financial decisions that that man has made to make where we're, we are are now and where we're headed possible because we use very minimal state funds. We're in an excellent position compared to our contemporaries in the state. And it might not be understood for three, five, three, four, five years, but people are going to understand what separation really looks like very soon. Hopefully that'll be the case. I, you know, I, I really think what's happening right now has kind of thrown everything in a state of flux. Sure. Right now, I'm just sitting here saying, you know what? I hope we survive. Okay. And and let's get through this year. And if we get through this year, then hopefully we'll be able to get back to some sort of normal. And and we'll, and and we'll see what happens. I'm um, I know that. My first question, and this is for the athletic department as a whole, are we going to have soccer? Are we going to have volleyball? Are we going to have cross country? Right? You know, that's my first question because a lot of schools, and, and I'm talking about major schools, have already cut that. They've asked them, I've seen that. And, and, and I'm hoping for Lance Key's sake and for Heather Mazeda's sake and for, for um, Lon Bato's sake that and for Theo's sake, that, sure. that we have a fall season. It would be a travesty those if those sports didn't play. Because well, they're it, all on the way up. Yes. And and so it's not just about football. Sure. You know, I got issues. I, I got questions about basketball. You know, and because you're talking about playing now in an indoor facility. Sure. Are we going to... In the winter. Are we going to have to play in front of no fans for... For basketball and you know I understand that there are a lot of people that are on Bob's ass for whatever reason I still haven't been able to figure it out but oh come on Jay you know what we'll, we'll, no, we'll no. get into that in a little while no no I really don't because all I know is this all I know is this Bob's been there 10 years going into 10 or are we 11? this is going no, into 11 this will be in, into 11 yeah. in 10 years he's Let's look at since the last configuration. Sure. When Georgia State joined the league and all of that. That's six years. Now, I'm giving him a pass in the first three because he inherited some, some, some and, tough and I situations. We, I, I think we've all pretty much come to that consensus. So, a little oh, so over the last six years, yeah. who's gone to the NCAA tournament? Cajuns have gone once. Troy, as like the six or seven seed, Unbelievable. has gone once. Little Rock had the magical year, year, and Georgia State's gone three times. Yeah, two. If you look at it from a congruent standpoint, who's won the most games overall? Georgia State has. Who's second? That's the Cajuns. In conference play, who's won the most games? Georgia State. Who's second? That's the Cajuns. Does that include tournament play? Yes. Uh, I'm, I'm a so playoff. Uh, yeah, conference tournament in the yes, yes. You know, everybody wants to beat their chest about UTA. Where, where's their NCAA tournament appearance? Oh, 
That's right. They didn't have one. That's because all they had was Herbie, and he whooped our ass a few times, and that's all everybody remembers. So, so I look at it. And by the way, Byron Scott Cross was a really stupid. So, in the, so, so in the last six years, the Cajuns have two championships. Now, some people will say one championship because you didn't go to the NCAA tournament. All I know is this. If I look in my dresser drawer right now, I have two championship rings. Two. One for winning the conference tournament in 2014 with Alfred Payton, and one for the year that we won 27 games. Yep. So don't argue with me about how many championships the Cajuns have won. They've won two in the last six years. Sure. Now, I'm going to look at this from an athletic director's standpoint for a minute. Because let's face it, what you and you and everybody else out there looks at is much different from what an athletic director looks no at. No doubt about it. Does he bring in good kids? Yes, he does. Check. Do his kids graduate? Check. Check. Here's my question. In 10 years, how many Cajun basketball players have been arrested? The answer is one. And we kicked them? And we and we kicked and nobody knows about it because when it happened, Coach Marlin called his father and said, come get him. And it was never. So we know Brian loves Bob. I, I know that for a fact and personally, and I'm sure he said it publicly, but <laughs> so athletic directors love that stuff. Yep. So You've got this, and it's, okay, are you being successful? Well, over the last six years, you've won the second most games in the league. Sure. You've won the second most games overall, and there's 12 teams in the league. Well, how does that put you uh, in pretty good shape? Sure. So when we look at what's coming up, how are they going to be? I think a lot of it has to do with the last two guys that they're wondering about, are they going to be eligible? I'm, you know. Sure. But, but Derek Caldwell is healthy. Kobe Julian is healthy. Devin Butts is eligible. What do we think Caldwell's going to do? The big dude. Uh, look, I, I think Caldwell was a big. I think Caldwell was their biggest loss last year. I've heard. And and then also, Lots I think about it. At, at the end of that, once you finish answering that question, how healthy is Julian? Well, and that's and and that's a legitimate question. Because we all knew that the, the other knee was going to go. We all knew anybody that has that type of injury is going to have a problem on the other side. We we've seen this enough. If you follow any type of athletics, I know you do. Yeah, I I don't know that. Um, I I know that last year was an abomination because of the incredible amount of injuries sure. they had. And but I'll tell you this: I think two years ago, if Malik Marchetti doesn't get hurt, we probably win the league. Yeah. And now we're talking about three championships in six years. Now, you want to complain about that? Okay, complain about it. Now, before before we get too off topic, I want I want to ask this question because before we started talking about basketball, we were right online with it. Jay, in your opinion, what is the health of the Sun Belt Conference amid some people's leadership concerns? Okay, you had to go there, didn't you? See, we had, we should have had, <laughs> this is a, we had to carve this segment out. We're going to go back to basketball because I had a question on that. We will. No, we will definitely go back to basketball. But I definitely but want to talk about the Keith Gill Sunbelt. Before before we get 
too far away from we were talking about conference realignment and stuff like that. I want to ask. I want to be. I want to be fair. But honest. But honest. I don't want to be a dick about this. This is what you came here for. Yeah, I know. You I'm came here to be the bird. I'm a dick on a regular basis. Don't worry about it. All right. Keith Bill's been, Keith Gill has been the Sunbelt Conference Commissioner for about a year. And, and last year at Sunbelt Media Days, one of the things that he said was, we have to do a better job of telling our story. Was okay. Keith Gill brought on to be a basketball commissioner? No, I don't think so. Okay. I don't think so. I, I, I think that's, well, let's that's see. That's narrative. Let's see. The guy's been uh, in this conference and this conference. A-10, right? Yeah. I think that was maybe a little bit of it, but I don't think that. Okay, we're going to bring this guy in because he's a basketball guy. I, I don't think that's accurate. And I don't think it's fair. So he says we, we got to do a better job of telling our story. Well, he's got a guy who's been the associate commissioner for 16 years. At? At the Sunbelt. Oh, and, he's carried over. And within 10 days after him making that statement, this guy leaves. And what I had heard, and I haven't been able to confirm it, but what I heard was he was basically demoted. Said, okay, well, you're here, but you're going to be... You're not going to be the football guy. You're going to be like the tennis guy. Well, he said, okay, I'm done with that. He resigns. And his new position is? Cotton Bowl? Oh, no, no. No, we'll get to that guy. Oh, that's another different guy. So we go through the football season. you got Appalachian State who's sitting there and they're part of the discussion That's right. for the New Year's Six Bowl. That's right. And the commissioner says nothing. He doesn't on his ass. He does well, he does nothing to promote that. And <clears throat> the Sun Belt finishes third in the group of five. There is never a press release about it. Now we know how well the Sun Belt is doing, but guess what? On a national scale, we have a perception of change. Yeah, that's you know, a big deal. What's what's the biggest? What's the biggest? Uh, who's the worst conference in America? You ask America that, and they're going to tell you the Sun Belt. And they'd be dead ass wrong for the last six years. Well, three out of the last four. And does the Sun Belt come out with any kind of story? No, they don't. But what? So then the spring comes. And they let go the woman who's their, maybe their most visible person in Whitney Hayworth, who... She did the videos. She did all the videos. Yeah. And, and so... They were in her off. She's doing the video updates on the Twitter feed, right? Facebook feed, right. Exactly. all the social platforms. Exactly. She's basically the, the face. She, exactly. Reporter. Exactly. Of the Sun Belt to the younger audience, especially. Exactly. Sure. So, they run her off, and they have um, 
I want to be fair here. And honest. And honest. I want to be both. So they run her we off. We deal in and, rumors and innuendo. And they, also, and they also let four other people go. Names that don't mean anything to us. But the nuts and bolts. The, the, the uh, assistant person with championships and somebody in compliance. And, and they say it's because of COVID. Then we find out the Sunbelt gets between one hundred and fifty and $300,000 from the federal government to where they don't have to fire these people. Now, there's nothing legally that says they have to do it that way. Just makes you a terrible person. Uh, I'm, I'm, that's I'm, not a Jay Walker comment. That's a man comment. I, I got it. And then you've got a guy who's been there, um, who was their contact for football and guy that came over from Tulane, a great dude, a very, a very nice guy. Came and a from very, Tulane? Yeah, and a very capable guy. I'm going to doubt you on that, Jim. There, there's the nice people that come from Tulane. And he winds up resigning. Uh-huh. And what is he doing now? Oh, he is the main contact for the Cotton Bowl. The Cotton Bowl. And then you've you got, got summer all boys, you know, and, just and just, then the, you, just the freaking cotton bowl. And then you got another guy who's been there for more than a decade yep. that winds up getting fired because they said, well, we don't like your attitude. Really? Seriously? So now the Sunbelt Conference has an associate commissioner who lives in, I think, Virginia. Who, is, who has told me she's going to make trips back and forth to New Orleans, but she's not moving. Which, she's, which for our listening audience, uh, Virginia has no presence in the Sun Belt. Just want to put that up. But she's got a husband and two kids, so she's not moving. Yeah. And they've got nobody else. They've, they have put out these job descriptions and taken applications. In the meantime... Matt, I'm going to apply. In the meantime, the Sun Belt, Brett McMurphy says, well, the Sun Belt's going to go with virtual media days. Sun Belt never made an announcement. Oh, it's going to be July 27th. Sun Belt never made an announcement. Did and they make an internal announcement? No. Nothing. No. They, and, have, and, been, they and, have been quiet. And, and so, so now we know that they've even canceled that, but they've never made an announcement. They canceled something that was never going to happen. You know, it, it's like... What are we doing here? I like Keith Gill personally. I think he's a really personable dude. Mm-hmm. And I think he's very, very smart. But I question his ability to communicate. How about lead? I think there's a gigantic well, Communication between, and leadership, I, I think, will kind of go hand in hand. There's a gigantic difference between being sharp and able to talk to people in person and leading men or leading men and women or leading a league or leading anything of significance. I mean, I don't see any type of result that gives me, if I'm Brian Matter, I don't see anything that lets me think we've got great leadership in this league. Well, you know when, uh, and I'm not speaking for Brian. I'm just saying, hypothetically, when he came when he came in, one of the th- first things he decided was that the logo sucked. I personally think the logo was fine the way it is. I thought it was the best one we'd ever well, had. Well, let me let me, let me tell you what they didn't like. 
were the patches. They thought the patches were too big because it, it had Sun Belt and then Conference and so So, but okay. I'll so, be honest. I'll follow me. Follow me here for a I'll, second. I'm with They said. Didn't the SEC have a circular fucking logo? Well, yeah, but they 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 looked at that and they said, okay, we don't like this. I mean, here's here's my problem. Keith Gill did not do a focus group. He didn't do any sort of, okay, what do you guys think? Here's a, Maybe here's a, a survey. survey. Here's this. He didn't do any of that. He just decided that the logo sucked, so he hired somebody to do a new one. Now, we can talk all day about how much that cost. I have my own figure. That would have been my next question. I presented that to the league uh, and uh, their their new associate commissioner suggested that my numbers were off. And you subsequently corrected her? No, I, I just I, I'm standing by I'm standing by the figure that I got, which was eight hundred fifty thousand dollars. Jesus Christ! Now, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But I got that from more than one person, and and I'll tell you how the how the numbers broke down: seventy five thousand dollars for each Sunbelt playing school, fifty thousand dollars from Little Rock and UTA. Do the math; that's eight fifty. Now, they've suggested that my figures are wrong, but they haven't given me any other figures. Maybe that's where that money went. That. For the five, for the four people they fired because of COVID, that they the got PPP the money, money and right? they decided. I don't know. So, so I don't know any. Sunbelt Conference spent our PPP money on a new ugly logo. It, I'm, see, not, I'm not saying that. I'm going to die. A, that's a mad opinion. Hi, I'm Jay Walker, and I am not saying. That. See, what we used to do here is we used to do a disclaimer that everything I said was off. It was off the reservation. Nobody had any type of. Uh, <laughs> I will die on this hill. <laughs> And I'm probably super alone on this hill as well. Oh, Matt loves the new logo. I don't love it. I don't understand the hate, however. Well, it's only because I... I think it's a clean, modern look. I remember the 80s very vividly. I feel like I'm in the 80s. It looks like an old Southland 80s logo. I'll tell you what I what I said to um, and it's ugly on the uniform to, to the to the to the new associate commissioner. I said first of all, your primary logo says SBC. Now I want to go back to 2014. We're hosting Mississippi State in a regional. Mississippi State, we got to beat them twice, and in the first game. They take like a three to nothing lead. And their fans stand up and they're SEC, SEC, it's SEC. one of the best memories of a, as a fan I can remember. And then we get a five spot. And our fans stand up and they chant something. Okay? They chant something. Yeah. Now, Carl Benson wanted to believe they were chanting SBC. But we were saying SEC. To show to, right back up their ass. Exactly right. Yes. So... There's too much 
similarity. Sure. And and I and I told um, the new associate commissioner, I said, you know what? If if I go to ten people and say SBC, nine of them are going to hear SEC. I said the logos are too similar. How, 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 first of all, who approves that? Who puts a stamp on that and says we're in the same footprint, we're roughly around the same market, we have literally one letter difference? How is that not going to cause confusion? You know, from a promotional standpoint, Jay, and I'm not a marketing guru or anything, but isn't that something you want to stay away from as a marketer? You would I think. Would, I would think so. And and what I said to the new associate commissioner, his name is, her name is, uh, Yancy, Nancy Amishoff. If I'm getting it right, I said, you know, you've got. In football, the SEC supervisor of officials is also the Sunbelt supervisor of officials. Right. Same thing in basketball, same thing in baseball. She said, do you think it's been better? And I said, in football, yes. No doubt. But in basketball and baseball, no. Hell no. Hell no. Baseball has been a disaster. And so... We agree to disagree about a lot of stuff. I really wish that the commissioner would make himself a little bit more accessible because he's a very personable guy. I've had a couple of conversations with him. I like him personally. I do. I think he's a good dude. And I think he's got the league's best interest at heart. But I'd like for him to explain himself about some stuff, but he does not make himself available to do that. I'm going to be direct, and this is only the this is only the uh, this is the impression I get of him. Does he have the Sunbelt Conference and its athletic programs at top of mind, or does he have Keith Gill? No, I, no, you know what? I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. And I don't know the guy, and I, I've never met him. I've, I've no, only seen I, the results of what he's done. So I, I think it's a fair question to ask. I, well, it, it is, but I'm, I'm going to tell you, I'm, I'm going to give you him the benefit. No, I, I, think, I think he really wants this league to do well. And look, he's carrying quite a banner here. Sure. You know, they've named Delaney's replacement at the Big Ten. It's an African-American guy. Yeah. But the reality of the situation is he's the standard bearer. And I think that it's that's hasn't been lost on him. Sure. And so I think it's important to him that this league do well for a lot of reasons. Okay. That's fair. And so what did he do at the A ten? I don't remember the background of the A ten. He he was an associate was he associate athletic director for somebody? No, well, you know, he was at the he was at uh, the athletic director at American University. Sorry to put you on the spot. And then, and then he was like the associate commissioner at the A ten. Associate commissioner. You know, he's. I know he's got a great track record. His resume's not bad. Yeah. And if if you're looking at somebody, say, you know what? We need to make our basketball better. Sure, and that's. My immediate thought was, and it was mine. A, it was mine too. He's affiliated with A10. I'm in. And yeah. then as soon as 
not only he's hired, but some of the decisions made subsequent to his hiring, I didn't get it. And I'm, I'm not, not that damn smart, so it's, I'm not it's gonna not be really a I'm not gonna, of anything. I'm not going to be as critical or as ugly if you want to get right down to it. And he's it, still a baby, right? As, as, as some other folks are. But I got... I got some questions and I've got some reservations. Concerns and, 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 is fair. Yeah, I th I think that's fair, and, and I and I think he needs to step up, say some things, do some things that make us understand that he's not a puppet. Make a big decision. Yeah. Make a big announcement. Yeah. Uh, make a big direction change, maybe. I don't think that's too much to ask. No, I don't think so. So let's do basketball. Yeah. Um, I had some stuff. Okay. Yeah. I mean, let's go ahead and talk basketball, and then we can revert back to the football season because I have one topic of conversation that I, I still really got a bunch of baseball you know, stuff. You're the boss of this. Really we haven't even let you, you talk. Yeah. We haven't let you talk. Right. I, talk, I created this damn thing. No. <laughs> um, so, you know, let's, let's go ahead and, uh, and talk about basketball. You know, obviously, um, basketball is going to be – the second most important fall sport to most people sure. after after football. What kind of developments is the basketball program making? And in your mind, what is a reasonable expectation for the fan base in 2020? Well, I, th I think that the second part of that is going to be directly affected by who's eligible and who's not. You know, I, I, I think the big Isaiah, help me, I, I okay, the 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 prep school guy who would come in as a freshman. Um, I think there's a question as to whether he's going to be fully eligible. I'm going to get his name for you. All right. The, 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 the big dude from Portland and Devin Butts, they're both eligible. We know that. So there's two other guys we're waiting on. Now, if all four, Isaiah Richards, Isaiah Richards, if all four are eligible, then, geez, I think they got a chance to be really, really good. Yeah, Theo Okuba. Yeah. Let, now, let's suppose Theo and Butts are the only two that are eligible. Then, if you look at the if if you look at the roster, Theo replaces Tyrus Smith, and I think he's going to be better than Tyrus Smith. And then you've got Do. Returning there also. What do you expect out of him? Do you think big improvement? I think Do is who he is. I think he's got some skills. No, I think he does too. I think he can be a not only a contributor, but I think he can play. No, I just he think can, you understand that he's got that agree. his role. I agree. Um, and and then you have Cadwell and the return of Kobe Julian, who by all accounts is healthy. Yeah. Now. It, and if, and both, no. if both of these other guys are eligible, then shoot. And, I, and I think they're a contender. And, and let's not let's not forget the reigning Sunbelt Conference Freshman of the Year, Malik Wilson. I mean, you know, between Malik and Sed, and you know, let's talk about who they got coming back. You got Malik, you got Sed, you got Dew, you've got Trajan Wesley. Trajan Wesley. Um, those are the, the, the major guys. They kept Spinku because I think Spinku's got upside. Yeah. I think Spinku's got upside He's got too. Huge I never upside. So so in, in a uh health ridden
type season towards well, I don't understand why he didn't play. Why didn't Spinku get 30 minutes a game? I asked Mike Murphy that one time. He never gave me an answer. Well, I don't understand why. Just let him figure it out. Give do give do the ball. Say, hey man, figure out if you can dribble. Figure out if you can shoot. What can you do? Now, Spenku. Because what did what did we have during for? during a good part of the season? Spenku was uh, was a fourth foul waiting to happen. But was it? I heard that he had some anxiety problems. Like he'd get a little nervous. Well, that, and, and and maybe that's true. I I just think in the second year. He's going to make some strides. Now, will he make sure. enough to be um, any kind of factor in his third year? I don't know that. But, I, you know, I, I, I think they got a chance to be good. Sure. I don't know they got a chance to be great. Being a chance to be great has to do with you got two guys. Are they going to be eligible or not? And healthy, um, obviously. And healthy, obviously. Yeah. You know, if there's one thing we've learned in the last two years— All it takes is one or two injuries in basketball, and then you really ruin everybody. And it really does. Now, I I agree with a lot of the folks who believe that two years ago, if Malik is healthy, we probably win the league. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I now, really would. Last year they had so many injuries yeah, it like, that it, it, it's it was like, like a core injury in football. Yeah. Like, you can't re- yeah. you can't recover and, six linebackers injured. And then you can even go back to three years ago. If Keenan Gant doesn't get the flu and Jonathan Stove doesn't have a bum ankle, we were in the dance. Yeah. By a long shot. And, 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 and were we in the dance. And, 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 and if, um, but even with that, I still got a ring. I just want to let you know. Still got, still got ring. that ring. Still got that ring. Yeah, my brother's got a ring from 14. So I have said many times that I feel like said thinks he's a combo guard. And they, I think Bob is good enough to his players to let him do what they want to do. I, I uh, from a, from a layman basketball fan, I always thought he was a, was a true pure shooting guard. He is. And I always thought that a little more spacing and get the ball out of his hands. Now I know losing a few point guards over the last two years, you got to put him in the action. So I totally understand that. <clears throat> With the rise of Malik Wilson, you got set as a true two. If everybody else stays healthy. Can win the league, but I want I want said shooting the basketball. Yeah, right. and 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 I don't know. bombs away. I don't know what the rest of the league has got. I'll uh, I'll say this, okay. Had we not had the pandemic to to cancel what we had, sure. Little Rock was really good, and they didn't have any seniors. Came out of nowhere. Yeah, they were they were really good, and. South Alabama, at the end of the year, finally figured it out. What the hell happened there? Well, they had all the yeah. They, they were supposed to be. They were the team to beat. But they had a Jai. I mean, a Jai was a sick. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, he can't make a shot for three weeks. And then they, and they then, go on the road and lose every game they play. Well, you know, I called I'm not, Dave and I was like, Dave, I'm not a big. I'm well, not a. I'm, I'm not a big Richie Riley guy. I, 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 I the first person I you see, that. we, you, you know, Trey Mitchell, yeah, and a giant. First of all, first of all, I don't think they liked each other all that much, yeah. And then you, you know, you brought in this Coleman kid that was supposed to be all that. And when you bring in too many transfers at one time, it just kills your chemistry. And it's the, the old rule of adage, right? And that's, and yes. 
And it, and it holds true to every sport. Yes, sir. And that's the thing that I love about Coach Marlin in that if you're one of those guys who upsets chemistry, yep. see ya. See ya. And, you know, I, I will say this. I was accused back in the days when I did radio. You don't say. I was accused of being an apologist for the universe. You know, you know, I've never heard this. I surely didn't say it. Now, now that I am no longer affiliated with a media outlet, I can I can tell you this. I support our coaches. As a matter of fact, when when Mark Hudspeth got the job at UL, I had I had lunch with an old time. And I said, I'm going to tell you something, coach. I will support you until such time as you tell me you're no longer the coach or the university tells me you're no longer the coach. That has been my thought about all the coaches that I've been with. Sure. Even Jared. Oh, absolutely. I remember you telling me that. Uh, so Maybe in confidence. I apologize. If I, so, <laughs> so if I was accused of being an apologist for the university before, I'm just telling you, I'm not in the media anymore. I'm absolutely an apologist now. <laughs> because it's what I, it, I have the opportunity to be the play-by-play uh, -play voice for the Cajuns, and I'm going to support them. Sure. I am, uh, I'm a fan, but I'm a different kind of fan sure. in that Every time something goes wrong, I don't get pissed off and start pointing fingers. That's what a lot of fans do. I'm going to look at the bright side all the time. And if folks don't like that and they want to say, well, you're just this, you're just, fine. I'm, I'm good with that. I'm good with all of that. Yeah. Because guess what? I sleep pretty well at night. Well, I think it comes down to your makeup, right? Sure. If you're an optimist, you're an optimist. You're a negative person. Negative person. This is what it is. It's how we all go through life, right? You just so happen to be on the radio and, you know, pissing off a lot of people. It's all right. Now we get to do it on a podcast. Absolutely. Jay, you know, obviously you have more inside sources than than most people do. So, so I want to ask you, is there something going on within the confines of the Donald Mosing Student Athlete Performance Center that fans should know about if they can? No, not really. Um, you know, I think right now inside of the Donald Mosing Student Athletic Center, they're just, they're doing what they do. They've got their social distancing, they're wearing masks, they're trying to keep everything to the point where we can have a football season. I, 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 I have no issues with any of the things that they put in place as far as policies are concerned. You know, no. Pretty I, much status quo across the country, yeah. across the state. I, I think so. I you think feel I, like they're doing what they need to do for this to happen? I think our folks have done a great job yeah. in trying to keep things under control. Sure. Look, guys, we're, we're sitting here and we're saying... Okay, well, you know, how about the season opener against McNeese? Sure. I just want to have a season opener against 
And and if it means that we have to do it with nobody in the stands, if so we, we have to do it with people nope. wearing masks. I want to have a car. I don't. I don't really give a shit. I, I just, I just want to have a season. I want to have a cart. I want to have like the big, like you know, life size cutout of Matt right behind Billy while he's calling plays. I want that to be on TV. <laughs> Tell me. Oh, <laughs> I want to have my ugly face right behind hey, Billy on national you know, television. Like, like, like Jay said, if everybody has to wear a mask, so be it. Rage and Review is planning to make. Rage and Review masks. Where is Review masks? Don't be a we, we will gladly sell them to the great people of Cajun Nation. Are, 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 are they all going to look like you? Because if they are, I'm not buying them. <laughs> and Jay, you know you want this glorious face covering your your mouth. But anyway. Your actual face. No, I would I would do a duty mask. Okay? <laughs> I, 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 would do, I, I would do a duty mask. We got a duty shout out. Jesus. Okay. Let's, been, let, what you got? I've been dying to ask this question all night. All right. I got to get back to football for a second. All right. Best Billy Napier story. Rose story for sure. <sighs> Nothing happens in Lafayette. No, I, you know what? I think I've already alluded to it. Not suitable for work, if possible. Yeah, NSFW no, no, no. And, and nobody ever heard of it. No, it's, I don't have anything like that. Oh, yes, you do. Yeah, you do. I know you and Billy went to a titty bar. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> no. No, we didn't. No. Look at Jay's face. It's so red. That's how I mean. No, I, you know, I think I've already, we've already talked about it. And that was the day before the conference championship game last year mm-hmm. when we were talking. And he said, I asked him about uh, Mississippi State and Ole Miss. And he said the things that day that made me realize he didn't want those jobs. I ain't going anywhere. And... You know what's great? You, you you look at a guy like Eli Drinkwitz, okay? Oh man, Which that's the way the fraud. He goes <laughs> he goes to Appalachian State, the fraud, and he wins twelve games, ready-made winner. And you know, and and he gets you know they offer the job at Missouri, and he goes, okay, I'm going three point whatever million dollars. Yep, yep, and he'll go there for a few years, and he'll get his ass fired. And at the end of the time, he'll have $10 million in the bank. I I respect that. Well, I don't respect him. You know why? Because he lied to the people he knew. And then he left for Missouri, which is not a winner. Okay? He's not going to win there. And then he plagiarized the welcome statement that he did it at. Same, but, but, same thing. But he's, he's going to be a running back. But he's going to make $10 million in three years. Okay? I, I probably don't hate him for that. I mean, at the end of the day, this is America. I am a capitalist, but... It's, it's so Dude, it's bad. $10 million in three years. All right? It's hard to just ask, though, Jay. No, no, I understand. It's hard. But you got Billy Napier, who is making a certain amount of money at UL and probably has a chance to increase it by 100 per, Well, 100%. <laughs> But he says, you know, I'm here in Lafayette, Louisiana. I'm making a good living. My wife and kids love it here. If I'm going to leave, I'm going to leave at a place that I think I can win and go to the next level. Be a man. Well, be a man. Let, me, let me tell you something. Missouri ain't the place. Start Vegas sure as hell ain't the place. Exactly. So well, Before I go any further... Obviously, just fine. Sorry, Mrs. Napier and children. 
I apologize for the titty comment. But you get I mean, quality of life in Lafayette is excellent. No, it quality is. Quality of pay in the Sun Belt is pretty excellent here. Uh, if you move on, you're looking for prominence. You're looking for maybe a blue blood job. Now, if I'm if I'm Billy Napier, which by the way is an accomplishment for us. If I'm Billy Napier and I'm looking at this, sure. College football landscape. Chatsworth, Georgia is where he's from. That's not all that far from Columbia, South Carolina. And we've said it all along. We think it's South Carolina. And, but I'll, I'll say this. If Billy Napier is going to take a job anywhere, SEC, Big 12, Big 10, doesn't matter. Here's what I know about this man. He will take a job where he feels like he can win. Big. It's not going to be one of those places like Eli Drinkwitz where he goes to Missouri and he's going to get $10 million in three years and, and go, <laughs> I'm, I'm here. Billy wants to win wherever he is. What's the and, 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 and if you see him leave, it will be for a job where he believes he will win. Yeah. And that's why if it does happen, when it when it happens, I'll stand there and go, go, dude. No doubt. Because he knows he's going to win wherever he does. And he's going to drag us along with him. Uh, the legacy, right? Sure. His 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 story and his journey. It's going to include us. It's going to include Nick Saban. It's going to include Dabo. It's going to include Louisiana Ranger Cajuns. And that's a big deal for us. Sure it is. Name a time where it happened. So what else you want to know? <laughs> I didn't hear said. So what else do you want to know? No, I mean, obviously, I'm going to go ahead and let Matt continue to drive because I don't want to step on his their toes. Hey, there's there's no toe stepping. Um. Okay, so we'll talk some baseball. We're gonna we're gonna get you to we're gonna get you to spill the beans with with another story, and we'll get into baseball and we'll wrap it up from there. A story from the road that nobody has heard before, and it can't be the time that we got really, really not my sober eye. and shared a bit. Can't be that story. Okay, may have been intimate. My my road <laughs> stories have to do with. Oh crap! And there are three footballs. And it can't be you and Craig Molasol sipping bourbon by the pool. And it can't well, be if you ever sat on the on the BEV show. Because that's give me something good. I need something expected. authentic, Jim. There are three stories I'll tell you about tra traveling with the Cajuns. The, the first one is Jerry Baldwin's first game. <laughs> as the Cajuns coach. Any story that starts with Jerry Baldwin, I'm in. So, it's 1998, and we're opening the season at Oklahoma State. So, at the time, we were flying out of Paul Fournette yep. Air Service. Yep. So, we get there at 8 o'clock in the morning for a 9 o'clock flight. And Nelson Schechtsnyder, the athletic director, says, all right, we've heard from the airline and there's going to be an issue, so um, come back at 2 o'clock. So we come back at 2 o'clock. 
and we're told, um, yeah, there's still there's still a problem with the air, aircraft, so come back at six o'clock. Six o'clock be becomes ten o'clock, becomes two o'clock. Yeah. So finally, you went to the kid. <laughs> no. Jay, did you ever step foot in the cake? Yeah, 30 years ago. <laughs> so, finally, at 2 o'clock in the morning, we take off. We fly to Stillwater because we're playing Oklahoma State. Actually, we fly, I think, to Tulsa and we have to bus. By the time we get everybody into bed, it's 5.30 in the morning. And we're going to play at 1 o'clock in the afternoon. So you're up for 9. Yeah. Players, staff, everybody. Everybody. So, so we go out. We play in Oklahoma State. And we lose like 24 to 7, 21 to 7, 21 to 10. I don't remember. Was Lou Abram on that stand? Uh, I don't think so. So we, we do that. But it wasn't 122 to 2, okay? Sure. So afterwards, we're standing at the airport, and Robert Traha, God bless him, maybe one of the greatest athletic supporters in Cajun history. There's no doubt about it. Looks at me and says, <laughs> I'm a little encouraged. We won today. <laughs> and that might have been the high point of, of Jerry Baldwin's career. Yeah. All right. So that's one. Two, Ricky Bustle. 2000, I think it's 2008. We're playing at FAU. And it is a Wednesday night ESPN game that starts like at 9 o'clock Eastern time, which is where we are. Beginning of fun, though? And... We win six to nothing when Michael Adams deflects a pass in the end zone on the last play of the game. We win. So we fly home, except we get to Lafayette and they say, All right, there's fog, we can't land. So they divert us to Houston. Wait, hold on. It's Lafayette. They diverged to Houston. Yeah. Not Baton Rouge. Right. Not Houston. Alexandria. Houston. <laughs> not Lake Charles. So we land in Houston, and we find out that the fog is so thick, we ain't getting out. So we have to order buses. And the buses get there. But <laughs> I ain't going to tell you how long it took the buses to get there, but the, uh, the ESPNU had the, uh, the replay of the game, and we won it again. <laughs> and I, I, I don't know, five thirty in the morning, the buses showed up, and we all load the buses, and we go. We get back at like nine o'clock on Thursday morning. Oh, my God. number three. And this is a personal one. Two thousand eleven, by his first year. We're going to play Middle Tennessee. And we're staying in Nashville. 
and we go to Nashville and there's about 12 of us for dinner. Scott Farmer, Jim Radcliffe, who was Scott's, uh, did all the, the, the speed dating? The programs. Oh, I, I, all the programs. I didn't know where you were going with it. Uh, David Fontenot, who's a very good friend of mine. Fontenot's an excellent guy. And his son, Mark. I call him Black Cloud. Uh, John Bordelaw from Home Bank. Yep. Ken Ardoin, who was the uh, vice president at the time of UL, and a few other people. There were about 12 of us for dinner. So Friday night, we're in Nashville. And I know that my dad is about to leave us. So we get a phone. We're World Series. Rangers, Cardinals, David Freeze. Remember? Uh, All right. Sure. So that's going on. And the phone rings, and I look, and it's my brother. And I go outside, and he, he tells me my dad has passed. You all were close in your father? Well, he, he was my father. Sure. Now, he didn't raise me, but he was my father. So I go back inside, Steve Pelican's there too, and the word kind of gets out about what happened. So, you know, yeah. folks folks are coming to give me a hug and stuff. John Bordeloff from Home Bank was the greatest because he comes to me and said, What was your dad's name? I said, John. He said, Come on, we're gonna go drink to John. And we hit every bar on the way back on the way back. Every to John! And we, we drank to my dad at every step we made. That's awesome. Mark Fontenot found <coughs> these twins that were tending bar. Now we're getting somewhere. Shab baby. How bad? Uh, no, no, they were they were incredibly uh, nice looking. <laughs> Listen, this is the content I'm here for. So so we go back to the hotel and and, and John Bordelon's, yeah, hey, to John, yeah, hey, to John. <laughs> Keep your hands to yourself, sir. So we, we, we do that, and then the next night, we play Middle Tennessee, we beat the crap out of them. Hell yeah. It was, it was, it was Hud's first year, beat the shit out Game's over. We go to the um, airport, and we got a mechanical problem. And the plane can't leave. Jesus Christ. So Troy Winger gets on the phone. Okay, we got like 120-something people, and we got to find a place for them to spend the night in Nashville. Same thing that happened to us in freaking Johnsonville, Johnson City, remember? 150 people <laughs> to find a place to stay in Nashville. No, it ain't the same thing. Well, no, you and, when you and I went to App State, yeah, that but was, it's not the same thing. Because Nashville was... It's 130 people well, to find a place in Nashville. To, in Nashville. Oh, yeah, yeah. It yeah. ain't the same. So, Troy Winger is on the phone, and finally he finds a place. This Best Western outside of Nashville. Oh, Lord. <laughs> and we go there, and we check in. It's 5 o'clock in the morning. 
and it's about a 50, check in for six hours. It's about 55 degrees in the room, and at the time, I am a voter for the Harris poll, so I got to get my vote in uh -huh. at five o'clock in the morning, and it's 55 degrees in the room. So finally, we get that done. So the next morning, we wake up. We're going to bring everybody to a golden corral. Hell yeah. To, to eat. Golden corral. And then we're going to fly home at 4 o'clock in the afternoon. So on the way to the golden corral, there's this dude. I don't remember he was a cheerleader <laughs> or, or who he was. But he starts having a seizure. Oh, my God. And they got to bring him to the hospital. So this bus diverts to the hospital. Scott Farmer, the athletic director, stays with him. And we go and we we eat. And then we come back. You guys love the seizure guy? Well, no, he was with Scott. So <laughs> so You guys love Scott with the seizure guy? You went to go to calories so they, and came back? So they get back and he's fine. <laughs> they they gave him medication. He's good. And we go, it's four o'clock in the afternoon now on Sunday. My father has passed away, oh. and uh, <clears throat> we've had to spend the night, and now it's 4 o'clock Sunday afternoon. And <clears throat> so now they decide that everybody has to be hand-checked before they can get on the plane. Well, Raymond Blanco and Kathleen are on the flight. And I will I will say this. Kathleen Blanco is one of the kindest human beings I've ever met. Shout out former governor Lafayette. And as a matter of fact, that morning when we got on the bus, she had heard about my dad and she got up and she expressed her condolences and hugged me and told me she loved me. Wow. And and one of the kindest human beings I've ever known. You want to hear okay. a bad word around her? You, you, around can, here you, can, her. you, can, you can go ahead and uh, criticize her politics. I don't give a shit. I don't. But a, a kind human being. Sure. So, so we're all getting uh, hand-wanded and, and patted down. So I want the plate up. Look at Al. And Raymond Blanco comes up. And they start, you know, they, they grab his they grab his boobs and then, then they hug him from yeah. they hug him from behind and they're patting him down, they grab his ass, and he like jumps up in the air. And so, so they let him go. And then Kathleen comes on. Now understand understand, she's a former governor. Sure. So she stands there and they're they're patting her down, and they, they like feel her up, and God, come on, really? What? And and she gets finally, she gets on the plane. She's probably excited about it. <laughs> and I'm saying, really, did this really happen? That is my maybe my favorite road trip story of all. Watch the, the governor get pat down of the governor. Yeah. We finally got home at six o'clock on Sunday. It was, it was just too stupid. I knew Jay had some good dinosaurs. And you probably slept for 24 hours. Uh, yeah, maybe so. <laughs>
All right, um, Matt, I know you wanted to talk some uh, some baseball before we uh, before we got out of this. There's never a bad time to talk baseball, sir. So of course I do. Um, you know, we lost a legend and uh, personal friends of you and I, and uh, it was tough, difficult. Uh, still kind of surreal when you think about it, especially telling stories and laughing and having a good time. Uh, but you know, I don't, I don't think, and this might be just a, a recency bias, but I thought Matt Deggs embodied what we do here. I couldn't imagine a, a person that you could have replaced Tony with that would have um, served us better or got the community to get behind him the way that they did, um, as evidenced by when he was inducted or, I'm sorry, introduced, uh, there must have been 500 people in the room. I mean, that was unbelievable. Never saw anything like it. Uh, Matt Deggs has always had a special place in all of our hearts uh, for, for a few different reasons, but, uh, you know, I'm thrilled to have him here, and, and I can go into detail about that, but I, I, I'm going to try to stay on topic. Uh, I thought that the season started out a little bit differently than folks expected because... The good and the bad thing about our baseball fans is that they expect greatness at all times. And sure. uh, that can serve you well, and it can also cripple you in, in, in certain situations. Uh, I have the belief that COVID actually served us well in this baseball season. I know nobody wants to hear that because, you know, it sucked to lose us, to, to lose the, the, the season, and, and, you know, we're not going to see some of the same players, and we were trending up. I think that it's a blessing in disguise because Matt Deggs, in a lot of ways, is uh, very similar to our expectations. He does not—he does not waffle in his expectation. One of the reasons why we love him, right? Um, but I thought he might have been hard on himself with all of the expectations and the pressure and the calling, because the man has a calling. I mean, we—I we, think we agree on that. Uh, I think that it started off a little more rocky than he expected, and I think that maybe a break is going to be okay for him. What do you think? Well, I remember the first weekend. You know, shit, I think we, we had, what, seven hits in the first three games? Yeah. And he said to me, he said, Jay, I, I feel like I'm letting coach down. And that was the word. And so, so I get that. I I will say this: had the season played out, okay, we had gotten to eight and nine, and, and trending up, and and he had fig, well, what, Hagedorn was hitting, Fitzgerald was hitting, Tally was starting to hit, and. And you got grimy. You got gritty. Things were yeah. happening in the way that they used to happen. You know, just being a dirtbag on the base and, pass. And, and I'm not so sure that if the season plays out, I'm not so sure that we don't win the league because our, our, our pitching was going to be so good. Well, we're going to find out. We were going to find out in that Coastal Carolina series that we had. Yeah. I think. And, and I was so looking forward to it. I thought we were in a great spot for it. So, you know, what's going to happen next year? Okay, well, BY is gone. 
and he stabilized us last year. The thing, the thing that's interesting about next year's team is, uh, let's see. You got a big hole. Our, our first baseman is Colton Frank. He's gone. Our second baseman Connor Dupuis. He's gone. Shortstop Saban Gatrell. He's gone. Third baseman is Jonathan Windham. He's gone. Yeah. Okay, so we got a whole new infield next yeah. year. Um, Depth piece and Jermaine Spears, he's gone. Yeah, no, no, there's a lot of he's gone. And, but look, it, it's all about who you got in the bump. Sure. That, you know, I, I, we, we can talk ends, we know that. And I think everybody understands that. Sure. So, you've got Carter Robinson, Connor Angel, Will Moriarty, You've got kind of um, help me, Lake Charles, uh, uh, Schultz. No, no. Uh, uh, um, is Jacob Schultz coming back? No. Is yeah, Connor Cook. Cook. Jacob Schultz will be back, but Connor Cook is back. That's it, Connor, Connor Cook. Cook, and Connor he started Cook. to get disgusting. So you, you got those five guys, and you're probably going to bring in a couple more. Sure. Was last year a blessing in disguise? I'll never say that, but I really believe that we were about to do something good. I agree with that. I agree with that. And so, I guess the better question is, what was the ceiling? Well, it doesn't matter. We'll now. Know. It doesn't matter now. I I just know that. Look, let me tell you something. Matt Deggs has a clue. No doubt. He knows how he wants to build a team, and, and I wish I could remember the the four things that he said about building a baseball team. I know that it's uh, ball players, bombers, and two others, and that's the way he puts together a thirty-five man roster. You got to have a certain amount of these guys, certain amount of these. Guys. We're gonna be fine. I know it. We're going to be good. I know it. Um, when he says, let's hold hands and walk through the gates of Omaha, I don't think it's bullshit. He believes it, man. Yeah, he does. And, and, and I believe it. And that's that's his appeal. I believe it. When he tells me that as a supporter, I'm with him. I'm, I'll, I'll tell you this right now. With a guy like Aiden Cantrell, being the anchor of the infield, I think had this team gotten a full season, not only would Matt Deggs lead us to Omaha, I kind of had a feeling that Matt Deggs was going to lead us to Omaha in year number one. Well, I'll say this, and this is, and Jay, Jay can tell me where I'm wrong, but I feel like, uh, I think our experience in the, in the end of our bullpen and the limits that we had on the back end of our lineup, uh, I don't think I don't I don't think we're a national contender. I think we could have contended for the league, maybe. I think we could have made some noise in a regional, maybe. Here's here's the thing that we have to rem- remember going forward. Sixty four teams. Okay, you got what thirty two automatic qualifiers. Sure. When you look at the early 2000s and the late 90s, you had 
two, three, four teams from the Sun Belt Conference that were in postseason play. Sure. As a matter of fact, I think in 2013 we had four. That that's how recent recent uh, recent it was. Oh, the South Al was a machine. In today's college baseball, the ACC has 14 teams, 15 teams counting Notre Dame. What are they going to get? Ten? Eight at, at minimum in a goddamn effing regional. Let's say it's ten. Southeastern Conference. Ten, eight. Ten, maybe more. And, and six okay. of them are top 25. So there's, so there's 20. Yeah. The Big 12's going to get the, five? The big, no, the Big 12's going to get seven. 20, off the top of your head, you can name it. Okay? So 27. 20, 27. Pac-12 gets what? The, the Pac-12, if they get Three five. If, no, if they get five. All right, 27, five, well, 30, I'm just saying 30, 34 for a down year. 32. You find right. the We're at 32. And then you've got 20 more, 28 more conference people. Mm -hmm. You know what the difference is between 2020 and 2010 is the Big Ten. They used to be a one-bid league. Now they're a five-bid league. So when you start doing the math sure. and you, you, you add the the... Automatic qualifiers? There's no room for the little guy anymore. No, I'm, I'm here to tell you, there there might be five. There's five at large bids. Five at large bids. You had Big Ten in the championship last year. Yeah. So, Jay, do you, do you allocate that to programs putting more money into baseball, understanding the value that baseball will bring to them, or climate change? It's going to get worse. It's the Northeast team. It's cold. It's hot. It's hot. It's, Climate change. It's Come on, gonna, Matt. It's going to get worse. <laughs> Sorry, Matt. In 2022. Because it's going to be hotter. No. Because they're going to take baseball and they're going to start it in the 15th of March. That's how, this is how sports gets thrown into. So, so the Sun Belt and the American, those are the two leagues in particular. Sure. Are going to have... Two at large bids, three maybe. And the Americans got Houston, East Carolina, right. Tulane. I mean, you're talking about legitimate programs. Yep. So, well, the Sun Belt used to be this. Sun Belt's going to be a one, maybe, maybe two team league. Maybe. And we play good baseball in the league. Hell yeah, we do. That's the sad part of it. Yeah. Coastal so, won a guy. Coastal went and, and went on one of the most incredible runs in NCAA baseball history and won a national championship in 2016. Is, my thing is they couldn't wait a year to do it while they were a member of the Sunbelt Conference. Well, I mean, it kind of probably helped. Literally won. Well, no, the, the, deal, the deal for them to join the Sunbelt Conference was struck was in place. long before they won the national championship because they signed the contract the morning after the game. Wow. They joined the Sunbelt Conference the day after they won the national title. I didn't realize that. Yeah, that's true. And they, they had a hell of a roster. And, I mean, look, coaching staff is absurd. 
We got it. You've seen the ballpark, cool ballpark, and I know they don't fill it, but what no, a cool place to see a ball game. Great ballpark. Oh, it's a great spot. Yeah. I've never had the luxury to go, so I. I well, that's going to change this year. I can't speak speak on that, but uh, you know, two hours and nineteen minutes later, Jay Walker, it's been a blast. Have we really been doing this that long? Yep. Two oh, hours shit. and 19 minutes. Yeah, we can talk about Rage and Pagan. You want to touch that? Yeah, go ahead. Let's let's talk about Rage and Pagan. So, Jay, the fans have been clamoring. When are you going to... The fans have been clamoring. When are you joining Ruger Rooms? One fan? Two fans? Come on. When are you joining Ruger Rooms? We, we you know, in, in, the, in the days, the last days of Rage and Pagan, there was an awful lot of vitriol going on sure. between members, and a lot of it became personal. Now, between people I, that had been almost friends, right? I'm I'm okay with okay. We can agree to disagree, sure. But if I disagree or you disagree, and it becomes a personal thing, that's not good. So. I'm gonna I'm gonna hold back for a while. Let's let's see what happens with Ruger Rooms because a lot of the people that have joined that are the same people that got really ugly toward the end of Rage and Pageant. And I'm not into that. I'm 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 just not. So we'll see. Heard it from the man himself. Anything else? Last question. And this might actually be a hell of a question. Uh why did you? Why did you engage in the name battle the way you did? Talking about the Louisiana battle, your GD road. Okay. Because Matt's gonna die on that hill. What hill? This Matt. I'm gonna oh, die on that. Louisiana. The day, the day that. Oh no, we are we are a hundred. I will die on that hill with you. The day that it happened in 1999. I correct everybody that's a different one. I. Uh, I went and met with Nelson Schechtsnyder. And I said, Nelson, what do I call you? And his response was, I can't really tell you what to call us, but I can tell you this. (laughs) Louisiana's Raging Cajuns is good. Raging Cajuns is good. Cajuns is good. They kind of left it at that. And that told me what it told me. Wait, wait, that does. Exactly. Yeah. You committed to it, though, man. Oh, no. I, I jumped on board that day. Even in the face of people, you know, backlash or whatnot, you stood with it. I got called into the principal's office. <laughs> That's why I love you, Jake. Not long after this happened, and, and it was like, what are you doing? And, and I told him, I said, okay, this is what I'm doing, this is what I'm doing, this is what I'm doing. So we're getting a lot of calls from people that have a big problem with you calling us Louisiana. And I said, they can get the fuck over it. Hell yeah. And and this is why, listen, and anybody I'm, I'm, that questions Jay Walker to me, you haven't, you haven't fought the name battle. I will say this. My boss, Mike Grimsley, who was my boss for 22 years, is the guy who called me in because he didn't know. 
He was in for a battle. He didn't and, know. And, and, when, and when I told him, he said, okay, I got your back. And he had my back through all of it. And when people called him and people said, I'm going to pull my advertising or whatever, he said, here's what's going on, and I got his back. I will forever, forever be grateful. Because so Mike, Mike Grimsley played a big part in the name. Oh, no, Mike, Mike Grimsley was huge in all of this. But, That's a story that needs to be told. But the, but the thing was, he didn't, oh, my God, the, 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 the advertisers are pitching a fit, so therefore, no, it was, okay, tell me why this is important. And I told him, and he said, okay, I got you. I got you. That's big. It See, was big then. It's big it's now. It's even bigger now. Yeah. Because we, I wanted that. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I'm wearing an Adidas Raging Cajun shirt. Does it say Louisiana Lafayette on it? And, and, and no, but your tits look great. <laughs> <I just. laughs> that is a topic for another podcast. And on that note, we are going to walk away from this episode. Jay, you're the shit, man. Love yeah, you, absolutely. Jay Walker, thank you so much for joining us. I love you guys. Let's talk. RagingReviewPod.com, the brand new website of Rage and Review. Check it out. Give us feedback. Tell us what we need to fix. Tell us what you like. Tell us what you don't like. Sponsorships still available, but a few left. Absolutely. Not many left, so jump on that train while you can. Um, and you can find your podcast. You can find this podcast just about everywhere that you get your podcast. Hey, Spotify update. Finally got a hold of those bastards, and they're going to put our stuff up. They got to. Take the pot off of the platform, put it back on. I know I said that on the board, but we're going to be here shortly. So just just stay with us. All right, Cajun Nation, stay tuned. We'll see you all next week. Go Cajuns. Fuck yeah. Does that go two hours, really? Two Two hours, right? Two hours and 24 minutes. Fuck. Fuck. That's what I want, dude. It's fun. It's great. We literally hit everyone. Yeah, we did. I'm sorry I said titty bar. It's funny to me. It was hilarious. I just, I hope sponsors won't have an issue with it. We don't have any sponsors. We're about to. Well, not yet. I'll.